Hello and welcome to the Grass Track Banter Podcast. This is episode number 33. My name is Gareth Bemister, your host and your guide through the wonderful world of grass track racing. And we're a bit of a depleted field tonight. Joining me, uh, one of the regulars on the Grass Track Banter Podcast. First up, it's the poster producing guru, Mr. Luke Russell. How you doing, Luke? Yeah, all good. Thanks, Gareth. I haven't called you that for a while. No. Beautiful yeah, poster. Beautiful posters, poster. Actually, beautiful be poster for the Frittenden yes. flyer, though. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that was all right, wasn't it? But the meeting yeah. obviously curtailed. Yeah, another one uh, done by the weather again this year. So uh, making plans, and we'll go again uh, in 2022. Absolutely, yeah, can't wait. And uh, joining us again is our newest uh, podcast host. He is a host now. I think he's fully fledged now. Uh, and fresh from British title, it's Mitchell Godden. How you doing, Mitch? Yeah, hi, Gareth. Hi, Luke. Uh, yeah, hi, everyone. We did have a little chat before we came uh, on, but just about off cloud nine now, Mitch. Cloud uh, hashtag nine, yeah. No, <laughs> uh, no it's been yeah, very, very good couple of weeks. And um, yeah, it's, yeah, really happy. Can't can't uh, can't complain. Yeah, we've uh, one of the things we're going to do on the podcast is break down the British Championships that took place at Ledbury, but obviously, um, a day that's gonna you're always going to be remembered for now, Mitch, which is a great feeling. And um, yeah, we talked a little bit before. You did it the hard way in the final, but yeah, just a great day all round. Paul and I are very very uh, focused on uh, what we want to achieve, uh, where we want to go. Um, so, you know, as with the other crews, the, the important thing really is uh, getting the European places sorted out, which is obviously, as we spoke about before, is done in the uh, interim classification stage. Um, but, yeah, to go through the card, uh, have maximum points, be the number one seed, which it, some people don't think is very important. I, I personally do. Um, you know, there's, there's quite a lot that rides on the European final. Uh, and having a number one seed does give you a choice of two seeded positions in the final. And from those seeded positions, you, effectively, you can choose, you know, three. Uh, I shouldn't really say this, I'm spilling all the beans. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if, 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 for example, the ACU get, get uh, you know, numbers seven and seven and eight, let's say, mm. then you know that number seven is gate one. In, in their first heat you know that number eight is gate two in the first heat so you you know you can look at the track you, if you know the tracks you know how the start positions develop some some start positions are better on the inside at the beginning and 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 move to the outside some of the other way around um so having that number one seed and having that choice is all about preparation for the european final and that's our goal mm. yeah on to the next thing but i mean it was uh it was something, I know you've won the best pairs a few times, but to win that British Championship at last after racing for as long as you have, um, it, you know, it was very special for a lot of people, obviously special for you. Um, and obviously I said to you, nearly 50 years since your dad won his last title as well. Yeah, I, I wasn't really aware of that. Because <laughs> <laughs> as I said I said previously, dad, dad never really, he wasn't a very egotistical person and he never really spoke about stuff like that. But uh but yeah, I, I mean, I'm absolutely stoked. Um, you know, we've we've me and Paul have we've only done it sort of four or five times. Uh, we've had two seconds, a third, uh, uh, one that we don't mention, and then obviously the win. So, mm. um, but we, you know, we've really put it out there this year that you know w- w- we want to win every race, we want to win every start, we want to win every lap, every corner. 
Um, and and the only way to prove that is to do it, and we have. Yeah, yeah, brilliant stuff. Uh, it's difficult to talk about yourself, but Luke, obviously, it was a great performance by Mitch and Paul, and uh, yeah, we were very pleased for them, weren't we, to see him going so well at the British Championships, and it was fully deserved. Yeah, I mean, I caught a few of Mitch's races sort of um, through the day from the pit box, and uh, yeah, he was absolutely, absolutely flying on the day, and after previous meetings where things haven't gone right yeah it was good to see uh, Mitch up on the top of the podium and the champion of your class and Paul as well obviously yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah no it's good stuff I mean, the other thing Gary, is, is it's a real honour for me as well because you know when, I, when I've got home and the dust has settled a little bit and I've looked at the trophy you know and there's so many worthy champions on there and to, you know to, to you know hopefully I, I you know I can class myself as one and we've joined the list of, of, of great champions um, that are on, on that trophy. And and to be honest, it's been running since 1978, 79, something like that. And there's only there's only 13, I can't remember offhand, there's, I think there's only 13 different drivers that have won that since, mm. since the late 70s. Because Leicester was so good, because Joshua's been so good, because Sean's been awesome. You know, Cecil Taylor won it four or five times. Nick's won it four times. Paul Miller's won it three times. So there's not actually very many winners. No. You know, considering that the class has been around for 40-odd years. And I think the same, it's very similar with the passengers. I think when I looked at the, the passenger list, I think there's only been 20 different passengers over the 40 years. So, you know, <laughs> um, you know, we, we, Paul and I are very honoured to, to sort of slide into that group of, of, of champions of the class so yeah we're happy yeah yeah it's great it's uh and it is a it is an illustrious list it's people do seem to dominate that championship it's a, i don't really know why leicester goodwin did six on the bounce sean did five on the bounce uh josh did four on the bounce cecil taylor did three on the bounce it seems to be one that once you've win it once you tend to win it a few more times but uh only time will tell there mitch we'll have to wait and see on that one we're, we're finished celebrating we're, this we're a lot older we're, there's a lot of youngsters coming in now, so yeah, we, we'll just do our best and see what happens. But you know, it, as I said, as I said before, really our our goal and our aims uh, in Europe, mm. um, you know, regardless of really what happened last Saturday, the, the the main thing was getting that number one seed and and going forward. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. Well, congratulations, Mitch. Obviously, brilliant achievement, and uh, we'll break down the action on the day uh, later on in the podcast. Cool. Thank you. So, uh, correspondence this week, I did reach out to uh, Alan Elliott. Now, if people out there haven't seen the accident from the Masters that Alan Elliott was involved in, he basically uh, retired from the sport at the end of 2019. He was long-time passenger of Paul Whitelam. And uh, and Rob Wilson got into a bit of trouble with passengers uh, having uh, Terry Saunters got injured earlier in the year at Kingston Speedway. So, Alan Elliott said, I can uh, jump on for the Masters being such a good passenger. So the first race, there was an accident involving uh, Rob and Alan uh, and Colin Blackburn and Carl Pugh. And we talked about it on the last podcast on episode 32. Uh, Horrendous looking accident. Uh, So I sort of reached out to Alan just to see how he's getting on. Uh, I sort of said to him, uh, we're not sure how you've got a head left, basically. (laughs) And he said, yeah, I don't really know either. He said, uh, six days after he was in the Pyrenees cycling up some mountains. So he wasn't that hurt. Uh, luckily, he didn't get affected by that. He's still got a bit of a stiff neck, even now, uh, and a bit of rib pain. 
but he thinks he came away pretty lucky. And yeah, he's had a look at the slow-mo and it's made him wince a little bit. But yeah, sometimes, Luke, looking back makes you realise how lucky you were, doesn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. He's not more injured. Um, I think the slow-mo makes it look even worse. Even though it was pretty bad, it made it look even worse. So for him to then go off on holiday, you know, it's a, almost like a minor miracle, really. Yeah. He must have had head injuries to want to cycle up the Pyrenees. <laughs> yeah. He once cycled. He lives in Guildford in, uh, just outside London, and he once cycled to the Frittenden meeting and then rode for the day. <laughs> yep, he did. Yep, he did indeed. Yeah. So clearly there's something not right with him anyway. So, <laughs> But best of luck to you, Alan. Obviously, it was a shame that uh, I think that's probably it for racing for him. Shame it had finished there as it did, but glad that you're all okay. Now, uh, the next one is going to be contentious, I think. So we've talked about this this uh, bit of correspondence came in in the week and I shared it with Mitch and Luke and Russell and Ben who aren't here today. Oh, by the way, uh, Russell's just moved house. That's where he is this week. So he's got no Wi-Fi. Uh, and Ben's in Spain this week, sunning it up. So he, uh, neither of those two are with us, but they have been in touch. And we had a bit of correspondence come through uh, from Matt Fumarola, who uh, talked about something and it literally lit up our WhatsApp group because we've all got a bit of an opinion on this. So I'll just read you in Matt's words. I won't do the Brummie accent. He said, with the GT140s and the old and new sidecar class, maybe uh, entitled and getting a British championship soon. So that's all hopefully going to go through soon. Is it now worth moving the 500cc continental sidecars into the British Masters? The Masters this year was more like a speedway meeting. And I felt it could have done with a support class because uh, it was run so slickly, uh, really quick and professional. Uh, it would give more time between heats for engines to cool down, riders to rest, as the meeting was ran so quick. Rather a support class, why not include the 500 sidecars as they are a premier class and they race on the continent? And I'd like to add to that, they also, as Mitch was talking about at the beginning, that is where their European spots are decided at the British Championships. So the 500 sidecars at the Masters. Now, Mitch, I'm going to go to you because I know this is something you've talked about a lot and you've got a lot of thoughts on. Yeah, I mean, it's quite nice that Matt's come up with an idea that uh, we'd already thought about. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we, can now, you know, we can now talk about it without sort of any prejudice. My honest opinion, really, of the Masters currently, uh, speaking as a solo rider, is that the level of ability across 24 riders isn't strong enough. Um, there's not, you know, when not being funny, when... Off the start at Astra, they, when the leader is going into the corner uh, off the, on the first straight and the one at the back is only really just joining the track from the start, then there's a massive sort of disparity between ability. Mm. Um, you know, it was, I mean, l- luckily some of them slower guys got going a little bit and no one was getting lapped. But we have had it in the past where people are getting lapped in the Masters. Well, not being funny, that shouldn't happen. You know, it's supposed to be the pinnacle of the sport. Mm. I personally don't think there's 24 good enough to make three legs. Uh, my personal opinion is I would like to see the solos down at 16, you know, and, and there's, there's several advantages. Uh, the first one is, you know, James and Zach are going to be meeting each other two or three times rather than one or two times. You know, Chris is going to be there meeting James and Zach two or three times. You're going to have hard races every race. You know, you're going to have almost almost it turns the semi-finals into every race. 
which which is what you want you know um the the other thing with that really is that running 16 solos takes six races out of the masters because you wouldn't now need semi-finals effectively instead of having uh four legs of three rides you only need four legs of two rides and from those rides you can pull eight for the final so you'd lose the semis you'd lose four four leg heats so effectively that saves six races out of the program um i think that there is space for the 500 cycles to come in, uh, especially with the European connections. Mm. Um, the sad thing at the moment is that I don't think the 500 cycles are strong enough to run 12 in the masters because you've got this, this, the same disparate, disparity of, uh, sort of performance and, um, I can't think of the word now, but the, um, you know, you, between the, the ones at the front and the ones at the back, there's a massive gap really mm. on one to 12. So I think I think p- potentially there's a solution that having the 500 chairs in with eight riders as a round robin. Mm. Now that puts effectively four heats into the program. Each rider will get three rides over four races plus a final. So the six races that you're saving by removing some of the solos, you're making up by having five heats of 500 chairs. Um, I mean I don't I can't really comment on the thousand sidecars, but the, have they got, is there 18 good enough for the masters in the sidecars? Mm. You know, or is there, is there a, is there a massive difference? I mean, how many top line sidecars are there? I mean, perhaps you can answer that, Gareth. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's probably, if you, we've talked about this before, um, privately. And if you go with 12, if you try and choose the top 12,000 sidecars, it's difficult to choose the 12. You always feel like you're leaving three or four out. If you go 18, you feel like there's one or two that perhaps won't be on par with everybody else. Like there's probably about between 14 and 15. I mean, this time around, uh, I'm just looking now, just falling outside the top, the top 18. Uh, I mean, Tom Marvell was, he had a he had a breakdown in his last race. If he hadn't done, he would have made the the semi final. He would have been sort of tenth qualifier. George Penfold wasn't even in the meeting, and we know how well he goes. Um, so there probably are. You know, if you restricted it to 12, it it would really cut the class down. I mean, it would be tough to get into, but then it's the Masters and it's supposed to be tough to get into. I mean, I think I think if if we're looking for a solution quickly and I don't know what the ACU's thoughts or feelings are on the quality of the Masters at the moment. You know, perhaps they're already thinking about it. I don't know. But I personally, I'd leave the cycles as they were, leave them at 18 I'd, I'd pull the solos to 12 and I'd put eight around Robin 500 chairs in. Mm. And, and, and the other thing that that does that lines up the, you know, the, the, the two main classes. Uh, and I think the 500 sidecars being a European predominantly European class should be aligned with those two. Mm. Um, the other thing with that, that potentially you've, you've got, the, the other sort of effect of that is that that pulls the 500 cycles away from the British championships. Now there's the way I see it, there's two options with that. You either turn the qualifier and the British championships, you could run that as one event. So it's the clubman's and British, British championships. So you could have the right handers and the uh, 500 CC solos from the grading list in that uh, British championship clubman's. And that becomes the, you know, the clubman's title is a British title anyway. 
and obviously the 250, 350 left-hander are also British titles. So that kind of works. Um, or, you know, or you could, uh, you know, and the qualification for those two classes obviously would be grading lists. So you've got a system for it to work as well. Or you leave the qualifier stroke clubmans separate. And then, as as Luke said, you know, pulling in the GT140, or sorry, Matt from Miranda said, pulling in the GT140s, pulling in, what was the other one he the said? Old and, the old and new. Cars. Yeah, pulling pulling in the old and new class and the GT one forties to give them a British title. Mm. So there's 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 sort of subsequently two or three different avenues that we could go down. Um, you know, but then you're always looking at the 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 uprights of you know, and the pre seventy five have kind of got a they've not really got you know those titles are just sort of picked up randomly by clubs, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so there there is other British titles out there that could effectively make one meeting with the old and new in the one forties. Um, you know, it's really it's really got to be thought about and sort of bashed out at, at uh, rugby. But mm. I definitely think I definitely think that the five hundred solos is not strong enough to run. Um, you know, twenty four riders and mm. and you know, I mean, look at the podium, the proofs in the pudding. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of lot of circumstances around that, but I mean, uh, it's a shame Ben's not here really because Ben, you know, he rode in the 2019 Masters, and I think he's, you know, he was proud to be there and he was very proud to be in the Masters, but he'll openly admit he was well off the pace. Um, and you know, there's a few others, you know, Ryan and Liam Ashcroft we're close with, and they will admit that they were, you know, they were never going to win it or be, you know, a semi-final spot would have been an outside chance. Um, but people are yeah, still yeah, proud other, to be the there. Thing, Gareth, yeah, the other thing, Gareth, is you know we've you know we've really got to be looking at making this attractive. You know, we, you know what we spoke about on previous podcasts and stuff, and making this as an attractive event. Mm. You know, and not not being funny. I know I know those guys are proud to be at those meetings, but you can't have people finishing half a lap behind. You know, if not being funny, if you know, like we like we talk about the fact that the Grand Prix have gone down to five riders. Well, I, I hate the five rider system in the Grand Prix, especially when you know the Czech Golden Helmet Championship last weekend in in part of bits. They run six speedway bikes on the same track that they ran five long track bikes last month. Yeah, which is absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, um, you know, part of the reason why it's gone to five is that there's eight. There's not eighteen world class riders mm. you know if you're going to have five battling and one half a lap behind you might as well just have the five anyway yeah so you know that is that is part of their reasoning you know to lower costs to promoters and there's loads of other reasons but one of the reasons is, is that there's not you, you can't get 18 world class long track riders anymore um and that's just, that's very similar to this, to where we are with the british masters now you know if you had james Take me out of the equation because I'm not really involved. But if you have James and Zach and Bomber and Coops and, you know, those regular guys that are, that are smashing it in every week, week in, week out, you know, but you have them concentrated into potentially meeting each other in every race, then you really will find the best champion on the day, you know. Mm. Um, and, and I think, it, yeah, I mean, I'm not a great fan of the sudden death thing, although it sort of worked for me, in you know, the other week. But... Um, you know, realist, realistically, if, if you know, if James and Chris have 
raced four times and James has beaten Chris four times or Chris has beaten James four times, then really those, that advantage should be carried through. Um, mm. I would like to see points in the final, but maybe more points in the final. Yeah. So that, you know, your your four races that you've had to get there are not worthless after the start. You know, because, they, you know, realistically, Zach's performance at the Masters should have been rewarded by more than eight, yeah. shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know? 100%. Um, yeah, it was unfair. It was what yeah, it was. Yeah, so, you know, may, may, maybe when it comes to the Masters, the final final at the Masters, it's double points. Mm. So that, you know, it, if you had a five-point advantage going in, you can't sit back on your, you know, you can't sit back on your heels and go, oh, well, third's all right, fifth's all right, sixth's mm. all right, because it's not. No. You know, if... if uh, and, and then by 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 the same you know token that someone sitting in third could go right well I can you know I've done well all day I've padded it out I've I've got here I win the final and I've got a chance of being second I've got a chance of you know whereas it's one point difference between second and third you know if you're three points behind going in the final you, you're screwed you can't do it you know mm. so I think I think there's different ways to liven it up um, and, but you know the the the, the thought of seeing those top guys smashing it out every race is just you know he's sort of, he's sort of yeah jaw dropping really mm. yeah whereas at the minute you can have you can have you know i don't want to rattle on but you can have race one can be a hard race race two can be a hard race and then effectively the way that it works out with the grid system and everything else race three can be a soft race and you might get someone that you know is getting a win or getting a second that really wouldn't or shouldn't Mm. in the masters so i i think i think there's definitely uh merit in what matt said uh and i definitely think there's a future but we you know we need to put our finger out uh with the acu and the, and that rugby and they've got to sort of bash their heads together including yourself and get it sorted really mm. yeah there's that, lots of ideas lots of ideas around that sort of thing but uh yeah it's something that we've mentioned it's just been bench- mentioned the 500 cycles at the masters and I mean, it used to be 32. It's dropped down to 24. The solos, I mean, dropped down to 24, and now to 60. Luke, what what do you think about? I mean, first of all, what do you think about having the the 500 chairs at the Masters, and then what do you think about dropping the numbers in some of the classes? Yeah, I agree with Mitch regarding the the strength and depth on the the 500 sidecars. Um, and again, pretty much on the on the solos, like he says, you want you know the very best riders there at, at the Masters. Um, you don't want to necessarily watch people sort of just wobble around at the back, just making numbers up. You know, it's it should be all riders that are there, all should have been with a chance of of winning the meeting rather than um, just you know sort of filling space in the program. Hmm. So yeah, all pretty much all Mitch's points. I um you know, I agree with. And the 500 sidecars. Yeah, I said I said uh, you haven't got the strength in depth to have have 12, but you certainly would could have eight. Um sort of within the Masters itself. How do you feel I mean, about padding it out with uh, with a couple of... Until, you know, in a, in a in a good world, the 500 sidecars become part of the Masters and they grow because of it, I don't know, it gives it a boost mm. in the arm or whatever. What if we... If it was boosted yeah. with foreign outfits for the first four or five years? Don't know on that one. <laughs> the problem you got see, see, is paying for it and... and... You know, if if the Masters is, is in, you, you know, how 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 do you pay someone from Holland to come here that's got three hundred miles to travel against someone coming from Munich that's got six hundred miles to travel? 
you know, where where's that fund going to come from? I mean, I, I was slightly disappointed when when before the Masters uh, draw was made, uh, you know, that Andrew Appleton didn't get a, a ride. Now, you know, Andrew's a, a previous Masters champ, multi Masters champion, and been on the podium. I can't count how many times. You know, now I know he's riding under an Austrian license, but from my uh, experience, I thought the Masters was already open. You know, why didn't Andrew get a chance to ride? You know, is an English person in England that didn't want any start money on a ERK, he's on a foreign license, but he's a pretty, you know, what, there's an opportunity to, to, to use the, the facility of, of the uh, Masters being an open championship and they didn't. Mm. So and, and it was weaker for it. I, I can't really understand the the, the, the decision making in that situation. Mm. No, I'm not sure what went on really. I don't really want to comment to be honest. But uh, yeah, no, I do no, agree. you can't. You would need to for the proof. You got someone that wanted to do it and wasn't allowed to. You need uh, you to. Know, um, and, and go on. Sorry. Yeah, well, you just you know, you, you we've got to try and make it as strong as strong as we can. We've got to make the show as good as we can. We've got to make it, you know, we've all from the very top of the ACU to the to the riders competing. We've all got to work together to make it the best we can. Mm. Um, but I mean, having 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 foreign crews in in would be a great answer to 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 beef it up and, and instead of having eight and around robin have twelve, but. I, I honestly can't see it being paid for. You no. Know. Um, no, 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 it would need to be. It, I mean, it, the prize it comes fund, back to what we were saying last time. It needs a big sponsor. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and, and not being funny, the prize fund would, you know, I, I haven't worked the figures out, but you know, from going from, from, uh, 24 solo, no, we're we on, yeah, we're on 24 solos, aren't we? So to go from 24 solos to 16 solos, effectively with the prize fund that was paid this year, that frees up mm. eight riders that were getting 50 quid. Yeah. So effectively that frees up 400 quid yeah. into the promoter's hand. Now 400 quid isn't enough prize fund to pay straight to the 500 cycles mm. because it wants to be on level or on par with the other classes. So effectively it will make the meeting more expensive. Um, so that is another factor that well, whether it's viable or not. But mm. I mean, the other thing is, Gareth, this isn't a new thing. I mean, I can remember I've spoken to Gary Southgate about this a number of times. And when he was on the TRC, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they were talking about this. Mm. But it's a different situation now. Uh, and, you know, there's different avenues available. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to uh, we'll have to see how it develops because there's a. It was a very fast day at the, uh, at the at the Masters. You know, it went very quickly. Um, lots of the riders said, and you could see a lot of the passengers on the sidecars were knackered because they were in and out so quick. But yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on it. it but, could, I mean, I could be, I could be really busy, couldn't I? You could, yeah, you could, yeah, yeah, exactly. It could be a very busy day. But we, um, I think that it could be something to really look at because if it would, like you said, it would bolster that day. It would make that day have that little bit of extra interest. I'm slightly concerned what it would do to the British Championship Day, but I know that you've talked about turning that into or combining it with the qualifier to overcome that a little bit. Um, and I know that the 500 yeah, sidecars are a big part of that British Championship Day. Um, yeah, or, or those other two classes come in because, yeah. I mean, the the, the, the GT140s are, you know, have shown that they've got strength mm. uh, in numbers. 
yeah. and I, I don't think it's I don't think it's stopped growing either. I think they've still got they're, they're still growing, um, and the old and new have proved that the that they've got sort of numbers that that could I, I don't know how many how many you had six at Bantasia or twelve uh, I can't remember. We had oh, I can't remember now. I get them muddled with the Waterloo one. It's uh, six. Six. It was six, was it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Do you know how many of, the, of those you, there are? Not entirely sure. But but the ones that are doing it have shown that they're keen and they've turned up lots of times and they're part of the. <coughs> is it? They're part of the club as well, aren't they? So. Yeah. Yeah, they know, are. They're, they're, they're involved. They're, there's a, there's some serious involvement from mm. the guys in that class. So, you know. They're a good feeder class as well. Like Thomas and Dylan Newton, that's where they've come from. And uh, they've hit the ground running, like, straight away. Yeah, now the Masters, that's the second week in a row now we've talked about the Masters a lot. It's a contentious issue. A lot of people have got a lot of ideas about how it ought to be run, who should be eligible, what the heat format should be, which classes. And we're interested to know what you all think out there. So do get in touch with us, just like Matt did. Podcast at outlook.com. Or you can get in touch with us uh, directly on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram as well. Uh, and we'd love to keep, continue this conversation because somewhere out there, someone might have the idea that is really attractive for for the ACU, for us, for riders, for a sponsor potentially. Who knows? But do get in touch with us uh, on the show about the British Masters and what you think you'd see. It's it's something that always seems to come around. The last bit of correspondence I just want to mention is my uh, old driver, Phil Sims, who... Uh, I used to race with many years ago. He's been in touch with us. He was on our podcast actually uh, a few, uh, a couple of years ago. He's gone through a bit of poor health lately, Phil, and uh, lots of people have been in touch with him, just wishing him well and making sure he's okay. So he just wanted to get in touch just to anybody who's listening who has got in touch with Phil Sims, just to say thanks really for, for all the well wishes and uh, he's making good progress now. So that's really good to hear. So look after yourself, Phil, and uh, hopefully we'll see you at a racetrack very, very soon. Who knows? Maybe even a comeback. I might even be talked into it myself, Phil. Who knows? So, episode 33. What have we got coming up? We've got the review of the British Championships coming up very, very soon. We've got some news from all around uh, the world of grass track. Uh, We've got some Mitch's blasts from the past as well. And we caught up with Mark Cosser, the six times British Masters champion this week. So that interview, really fascinating stuff talking to Mark this week. We will catch up with Mark later on in the show. But coming up soon, it's the news. So now it is time for the news. And uh, first up, kind of a, a race preview, I guess. But we're all getting a little bit excited about the uh, the Halloween spooktacular that's coming up. And we've got a few details on the event coming up. Held by the Ledbury Club, fresh off the back of doing a brilliant British Championship meeting. Um, they're really selling the Halloween thing. I mean, when it was first announced, Luke, I remember we got a bit excited because it was sort of end of the year. And uh, yeah, it's time that the sport had something at the end of the year, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, not something we've really had really since really the burn-up. I know uh, for Indian we ran the the season finale, but they weren't weren't anywhere near as big as the burn-up, and it's been something I think the sport needs 
as like an end of year sort of curtain closer. Yeah, and they're, and they're sort of selling it like a bit of end of year do, really, an end of year party. Obviously, Halloween uh, themed. So I don't know. They've probably got lots of ideas. Well, they've got a few that they've printed. They've said that um, they're uh, sort of talking about having some fancy dress parties and um, various different treats and sweets for the kids and lots of different things going on. They've got some fireworks on Saturday night, which they're uh, welcoming donations towards. Sawley's there with Sawley's Bar. So there'll be plenty of uh, plenty of beers being sunk, I'm sure. There's Halloween fancy dress games yeah, they're just putting on a bit of a do, really. I mean, they had a really good meeting at the the uh, British Championships, a very serious meeting, and I think this one's set to be a good laugh. I think that's the idea behind it. Are you riding, Luke? Uh, yeah, me and Jake have entered. Looking forward to it? Always. Yeah, no, we had uh, we enjoyed the day down there at the Brits, and um, yeah, looking back to looking forward to to going back down there. Other than the the long drive down, but I mentioned traveling to you Gareth I know you get upset <laughs> yeah you don't know you're born you don't know you're born no. there's some good money on it as well I mean the the uh the five the thousand sidecars is 400 pound first prize uh and they've had a kind donation from uh somebody who has raised uh 500 pound now for the 500 solo class so there's some good prize money on it they've got every class you could think of pretty much on the Saturday it's uh it's uh youth all the youth Classes, GT140s, pre-75s, quads, uh, and old and new sidecars, and the left-hand sidecars as well. And then on the Sunday, they're running the 250, 350, 500cc solos, the upright solos, the 500 sidecars, and the 1,000cc right-hand sidecars as well. So, I mean, you're looking at something well over 100 races for a weekend, I would suggest there. Um, I mean, that comes with its, its own headaches, Luke, as you know. Yeah, just a bit. I mean, they should get... Should get the support. I mean, they've got the entry forms out nice and early, so I'd imagine um, they'll be full pretty quickly, and that makes it a lot easier in getting all the programme and all the other bits and pieces ready and in place. Um, you know, Sally and the team down there, they're, they're massively experienced and, you know, mm. old hands at it now, and they, they certainly know what they're doing to get a, a top-class meeting on. They do, yeah. And talking of entries, they've almost, almost filled up the auto cadets, which is brilliant to hear. Uh, there's spaces in the cadets. I think there's always spaces in the cadets at the moment. The juniors are full. The inters have got four spaces. The GT140s are full. The quads are full. The 350 solos is full. The 500 solos are nearly full. I mean, they're, they're filling up quick. Um, so if you are a rider and fancy a, a race out on the 30th or the 31st of October, yeah, you're going to need to get your entry in fairly fast. Uh, there's also a race sponsorship available for a £10 or the final £30 for final sponsorship. That's really cheap. Um, so you can get your company name out there too. Uh, but it should be a really good do. Fancy dress costumes are a must, I think. I think I've just purchased my skeleton outfit to wear. So looking forward to seeing you all dressed up uh, in a fitting way for the Halloween spooktacular. Um, should be a really good meeting. Their usual venue, uh, Spirington Farm, Pencombe, uh, Herefordshire. Uh, all the details, as you know, as always, on Grassstrap Banter and at Lebury Motorcycle Club's excellent Facebook group as well. So best of luck to Sally and Steve and all of the team, uh, Sean and everyone, really. Hannah, there's a whole load of great people up, uh, up there. It's up there for me uh, who put these things together. Uh, let's just hope, dare I say it? Let's hope the weather plays its part, shall we? <laughs> yes. I hope you're not booking the weather for it, Luke. 
given your track uh, this year. No, I've, <laughs> no, I've been uh, removed from weather duties from now on. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm not allowed to look at a forecast or anything else ever again. <laughs> now, our second bit of news came out this week. A little bit disappointing, I suppose, in a way. Uh, James Wright, who rode at Bantasia, won earlier in the year. Uh, very good grass track rider, as we know. He's been going over to the Isle of Wight as well and doing the Isle of Wight series. Uh, he signed for Newcastle Diamonds for 2022, which, I mean, for a minute, it looked like Newcastle was gone for, for good. Uh, now James has got a team place. So congrats to James on having a second season at Newcastle. But obviously, they're a Sunday club. So we may not see much of James again next year, which is a real shame. Um, but, you know, good luck to him. He's obviously uh, impressing. I've not really caught much of James. I know he's always in amongst the points on uh, for Newcastle, so he's had a decent season. Uh, now, the next thing that we've got that we've uh, got here to talk about is the pit bike winter series. Now, Mitch, you're you've got you sort of nothing to do with this anymore, are you? Um, no, I, no, I found out about it uh, earlier this week uh, yeah. on Facebook. Um, so, I was, yeah, not not uh, shocked particularly but um uh yeah i mean if it puts bums on seats and bums on bikes then you know it's a good thing i mean it's it's been i think it's been a great feeder for grass track in general uh you know since we started it four or five years ago uh and having the likes of you know um simon field you know has become a fully fledged full-time grass track rider uh aaron schuber and, and one or two others so mm. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely been a feeder, um, you know, and also helped out with, you know, like the stuff Carl Russian's doing. You know, it's people have it's put people, people have bought bikes, people have done our series and they've gone on and done Carl's dirt track stuff. Um, you know, the, the, the stewards got back into racing because they won a pit bike at the go-kart raffle. <laughs> yeah. No, so, so when you, you know, if you look at the the, the sort of the, the journey, if you like, you know, they've got into pit biking because they won a bike in the raffle, uh, and then they've got into GT one forties because they've been on the the pit bikes down at Iwade, um, you know, and and they've become, you know, both Ron and Trev and and all the people are sort of associated with them, uh, you know, they've they they've been, I know they're previous riders, but they've it's been a starter for them as well, so. Yeah, I'm. I'm really pleased that uh, I would have, um, you know, have decided to carry on something. Um, it, it would have been nice to have a little bit of communication, but <laughs> that's not really their style. But nevertheless, <laughs> you know, if it puts bums on seats, it's a good thing, you know. And I, and I wish them all the best. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. And it's uh, no, November the twenty-first is their first one on the Sunday uh, up there on the little mini track there. If you're interested in this event along with other rounds, please comment on the post. So that's Iwade Speedway Mini Track on Facebook. Uh, are you going to be dusting off the uh, pit bike then, Mitch, to have a go? Um, no, at the minute, I've, I've got, um, we're so busy at the moment, at the moment with work. Um, our, you know, our minor ball season is pretty much finished now. Uh, we've got a couple of things to, to make potentials that we might get involved with, but we're pretty much done now. Paul picked up a bit of a niggly injury in the final at Lebury. Um, so you know, we've got to concentrate on work as well. Mm. Uh, but the other thing I'm I'm sort of involved with as well is uh, we're racing me and Cameron and Miles are racing the C1 at Brands Hatch in November. Oh, okay. So 
we've been building this uh, Citroen C1 for a year with the roll cage and the seat and the, the fire extinguisher and all the safety stuff and the rest of it. Uh, getting all our ARDS tests sorted and our uh, MSA racing licenses. So, you know, we, we've got a three-hour endurance race in the Citroen C1 with <laughs> 60 other C1 nutters in uh, Brands Action November. So, yeah, we've got a track day uh, booked next Wednesday at Brands, um, which we're going to uh, you know, get stuck into and hopefully not smash it up too bad. <laughs> uh and yeah, then we're yeah we're going to be uh, on four wheels in November. So the, realistically, that's what we're sort of getting ready for. So yeah, mm. the pit bikes is was yeah was only really a fitness thing, and and uh, you know we might, might maybe later in the winter we can uh, uh, you know have a have a look and pull it out and see what we can do. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. I'm sure you'll. Uh, I'm sure it's, not, it's so close to home. I'm sure you'll be there at some point having a look. Yeah, we'll have a look. And uh, Luke, you'll be there. I'm sure. Yeah, I think I was one of the first ones uh put my name down. Um, uh, going back to yeah, going back to what Mitch said, saying about um like a springboard into other things. I mean if I didn't do the series I wouldn't have had a very slight dabble on the two fifty and I wouldn't have ended up riding at um Carl Rush's Dirt Track events series all over the country this year. So Yeah. You know, if people are thinking about getting into some, you know, good fun entry level motorsport it's definitely um definitely a good place to start yeah yeah it does look fun it does look fun a couple of times i've been up there it is it is a good laugh never ridden yet never managed to do that but it does look a good laugh so uh luke the uh we've talked we well we mentioned the frittenden uh issue uh obviously you were due to run on the 2nd of october for the frittenden flyer but didn't happen what was the what was the problems there uh just just the amount of rain that come down and essentially flooded the the entrance to the field um you know people would have had to have been sort of towed in and towed out you know before the meeting even got underway and um that was that sort of up there with mum on the saturday saturday afternoon and we were just sort of watching puddles sort of fill up and up and up and um yeah that sort of uh put an end to it which is mm. a shame because the track i think the, the track had been moved towards the top of the field and it was probably looking at probably one of the best tracks um, that's been laid out there for for a while. So, yeah, a bit of a shame, but um, it's the British weather for you, isn't it? Yeah, it was not looking good. I mean, the weather was bad and uh, they held on as long as they could, really, but it became obvious it was going to be, even if it had run, it would have been seriously rain-affected. Uh, but it was actually a nice day, as it turned out, on the Sunday. Yeah, yeah. typical. Yeah, yeah, blue skies. Yeah, typical. But there we go. There we go. We go again next year, because there's no uh, rain-off date, is there? No, no, that's it now for the year. Yeah, yeah. So best of luck to Frittenden for 2022. Usual things, I guess, in Battle of Britain is planned. The the pairs and the... Well, we don't know about the pairs, do we? It's always a bit of a question mark. <laughs> yeah, well, ever since we've run the pairs, it keeps getting hit by rain. So I don't know. Mm. Don't know what we'll do. Yeah, whether we need to change the name from Summer Spectacular, who knows? Yeah, that's it. Too much irony. Yes. Now we've got uh, we've got two well two British Championship meetings taking place uh, this weekend. First of all, we've got a pre, uh, the pre seventy five Championships, uh, which are held at or being held by the Vintage Motorcycle Club, as they should be, in my opinion. Um, in memory of Neil Copestake, who of course we lost sadly uh, about a year ago now. Uh, so that's this Sunday at uh, Victory Field, which is in Ashorn, Warwickshire. So 
be a good meeting if you like that sort of thing. British pre-75 champs. They've got a hell of a lineup for it. Um, they've got the pre-75, 250, 350 and 500 solos. A um, lot of notable names in there. Sam Norris uh, is riding the pre-75, 250, which will be interesting because he's obviously a youngster in amongst all the old guard there. Um, Harlan Cook is a name that I've spotted in amongst it. I know Harlan was very close to Neil Copestate, wasn't he? So I'm guessing that's that's all right there. Should be some great racing though on the day. I mean, there's juniors as well and inters. GT 140s are there. There is an open solo class which is filled up with all sorts of things in there. There's 250s, 350s, 500 solos. There's everything in between. Some uprights and the old and new sidecars as well. So should be a really good day up at the uh, at Warwickshire on Sunday for the British Championships, the last British Championships of the year. And then the other British Championships taking place is, of course, the uh, Nora British Dirt Track Championships um, at Kings Lynn. Two days of racing, uh, which you're heavily involved in, Luke, because of, uh, yeah, you're obviously riding on the, the pit bike. Certainly am, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the Saturday is the, the final round of the, the championship. Um, and there's British titles in, in I know, in the right-hand sidecars and a couple of the other classes. And then uh, Sunday, they've got the uh, the Paul Pinfold uh, Memorial meeting. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, it should be. It's been it's been some good racing, to be fair, sort of all year as well in, in all the classes. I mean, the sidecars, I think, last time at Peterborough, I think pretty much all the crews won a heat at some point. So you can never tell sort of who's going to win going in. Um, into each race so yeah it uh, should be a good old weekend yeah and we're starved of uh, a thousand sidecar action on the speedway and mark talks about it in his interview later on as well quite a bit uh, so good to see the thousand sidecars are there i think there's nine outfits altogether. uh gt140s have been really good on the speedway as well um all year on the uh in the dirt track events as well great to see the paul pinfold memorial name as well there too you're not actually in the lineup on the saturday luke are you not riding on the saturday yeah, I'm in the lineup. Uh, oh yeah, I'm being blind. Yeah. Yep, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. there. Well, good luck with that. Good luck with the whole weekend, Thanks. and uh, good luck to dirt track events. Um, it's only, it's really cheap actually. Ten pound is, uh, and under 16s are free to get in. Um, multi-discipline dirt track, Nora British Championship final round. Um, yeah, thousand sidecars, quads, GT140s, flat trackers, hooligan plus. What's hooligan plus, Luke? I think he's a pretty much whatever you've got i think there's there's certain types of bikes i think it's the, the first time they're running them so i'll sounds be able to let you know like on the, the next um, one sounds a bit like the, the pickering inappropriate bikes class maybe <laughs> run run what you brung yeah <laughs> uh, there's youth speedway 150s and 250s mini bikes uh and yeah 50 races altogether uh gates open at 11 30 tapes up at 12 30 and you can go online to uh uk and buy your tickets right now uh, and then go up to Kings Lynn for the weekend and spend the weekend there watching all sorts of racing going around the, uh, the what do they call it now, Norfolk Arena or Saddlebow Road or I don't know what they call it anymore. <laughs> Kings Lynn Speedway. So good luck to the team up there. Hopefully it goes really well and you get a huge crowd um, because they've certainly shown people that something different can be provided for. So that's it for the news this week. If you've got something that's noteworthy or newsworthy that is about grass track racing, do get in touch with us, grasstrackbanterpodcast at outlook.com, or you can get in touch with any of us personally on our Facebooks, Twitter, or our Instagram as well.
So now it's time for our race reviews, and we would be reviewing the Frittenden Flyer, but obviously, as we just mentioned, it's been it has been rained off. Uh, so we're definitely going to need to talk about the British Championships. We've talked about Mitch's escapades at the top of the show, and I'm sure we'll come back to it in a minute. Uh, now, we're in a bit of a situation here because, uh, obviously, I was the only one watching the meeting. Luke was competing on the 500 sidecars, uh, and Mitch, obviously, was competing as well. Um, so I don't know really how much of the racing you got to see, but uh, Mitch, you were talking to me a little bit before about a couple of the solo riders. Yeah, well, we we uh, we got to see the, the the couple of races before we were going out each time around. So, you know, I saw the uh, the first few races. Um, you know, really, you know, the the track at uh, Lebury was you know a really good track, but was quite greasy, um, kind of with the grass uh, sort of spread. Uh, at the beginning of the meeting um and I, I did notice a lot of the the 250 guys and the 350 guys that were running the 21 rear knobbly absolutely bolted out of the start yeah. and uh one of the 250 races i think jake mulford was absolutely left on the line um and then he put it in the dirt for four laps and uh, did he win the race i can't i can't really remember but i remember him literally overtaking everybody that was in front of him and yeah you know that was that was a really good uh race from jake um i think um didn't graham thomas c- come off down the first down he the did. back straight yeah the first he lap. did yeah. yeah he dropped yeah. it just coming off of that tricky first corner yeah because it was just a bit slippery especially when it went off camber and you know graham made a, a, an awesome start with the 21 knobbly in the rear mm. uh, and it just left everyone for dead and then you know, and then he dropped it in front of everyone and everyone yeah. was like oh no <laughs> uh, luck, luckily uh you know no one collected him but uh yeah you know, that was a really good race and obviously when i got a chance to see super dave we were shouting for super dave to uh pull his finger out and and crack it on and you know he did he did pretty good um he yeah, won his first race, didn't he? Won yeah. His, he was flying yeah. in his first one. Yeah, he did really, really well. So, and yeah, Coops was, you know, a very, uh, you know, professional mm. um, show um, and did it all from the front. But, you know, I didn't I didn't really get to see the left-handers at all because they were directly after us. Yeah. Um, we saw a couple of 250 rides, a couple of 350 rides. Didn't see any of the upright rides. And, yeah, as I said, none of the left-handers, uh, apart from the final, which was... A bit of an epic final from the left-handers. <laughs> incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible final. Um, yeah, they, the 250 solo, those first three heats, like you've said, were amazing because, uh, yeah, all of the, the people who had the luxury of going to the 21-inch with the motocross engines were miles faster off the start. Like, they were, abs- yeah, they, they were they, gone, absolutely gone. Yeah, there was a, there was a few uh, wily people that had uh, twenty one inches in in you know in a in a lay down four stroke, so it was working for them as well. Mm. You know, basically, if you had a twenty two rear tire, it was a handicap for for at least the whole of the first leg, uh, and possibly you know borderline second leg. After that, it, the the twenty two started working. I think it. Uh, yeah, I mean by the third leg, second and third leg. Well, to be honest, they made the start the uh, the 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 motocross engine bikes, but uh, it made for great racing because then you had the likes of Jake Mulford, Luke Harris, Henry Atkins, Adam Ship as well, who had a brilliant ride in his first, he was in race one and he was plumb last uh, going into the first turn. And he had, he had to ride round everyone. And I was thinking then, Oh, he was our tip to win. Sadly, things didn't really work out for Adam from there, but um, it made for great racing. And uh, the race that Russell fell off in his first fall off, <laughs> anyway, his first accident 
uh, was a brilliant race. Henry Atkins and uh, Jake Mulford uh, just absolutely neck and neck for for the whole time. Like, to start with, right at the back, and then they had to go through the likes of Russell and Tim Grigg, get themselves to the front, and then they were neck and neck there. Russell's a bit aggrieved that they overtook on a yellow flag, allegedly. Um, but brilliant racing. And uh, obviously it came to that final, and Jake Mulford was unbelievable. I don't know if any of you saw the final, but he was absolutely on it in that final. The fastest I think I've ever seen a 250 be ridden. Yeah, he just showed... He, you know, Jake had... He had a disappointed Masters, didn't he? Um, yeah. You know, maybe it all got a bit too much for him or the kit wasn't ready or whatever. But, you know, he's definitely made up for it with, you know, a real mature ride. Um, you know, and, but he, he was he was very encouraging to see as well. We, you know, when you look at that 250 podium with Jake and Luke and... Um, Henry Atkins. Oh, uh, Henry. You know, and then you've got Cameron Taylor. Mm. You've got you know, a real good crop of youngsters coming through. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was definitely very encouraging, yeah. Yeah, really good. And Adam Ship, as I mentioned, uh, was going well. Then he looped it on the line and he caused some sort of injury to his arm. And that was it for him, really. And he ended up, he made the final, uh, but then didn't take his place in the final. Um, and I was thinking as well, and I, Russell and Ben, I'll have to ask them this as well. But uh, David Knowles was the top um, motocross engine rider in fourth. And then Chris Steele was fifth. And they have some good races between them. Uh, and Russell's obviously involved in that. And I was wondering if there's a, a place for a motocross engine race on that British final day where they just, you know, the top eight riders of that in that style of bike get to have their own British title. I don't know what you think about that, uh, Mitch. Per- personally, I think there's too many classes already yeah. by, by long shot, you know, and, and if, you, you know, if, if you're dissecting them further, you know... <laughs> You know, it down a bit. Yeah, well, all of a sudden, someone's going to turn up with a with a two stroke three fifty and go, "Well, I want to be British champion." Yeah. On the, you know, there might only be one or two of them. You know, where where do you stop? Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, in Europe, it, it's pretty much you know five hundred solos, five hundred sidecars. The two fifties is, is a junior class. Um, there's not really a two fifty adult class in Europe. Uh, it, it's a stepping stone. It's a feeder to to the main class. Um, mm. You know, we're slightly different. We've got more clubs. We're running more meetings. We've got a lot more riders. So, you know, we can we can support lots more classes. But where does it stop? It's got to stop somewhere. You know, and I, I, you know, the 250 class is a choice between uh, a two-stroke or a four-stroke. You know, some people like uh, I can't remember their names now, but people have you know people that have been very good on the 250 two-stroke have tried running. Mm-hmm four strokes can't really adapt and go back to riding two strokes mm. uh, and and vice versa so you know I, I think it is what it is uh they've got a choice to choose which avenue they want to go down and i mm. don't think you just can't dissect it anymore no he uh russell did that in fact russell bought a uh he was always a two-stroke rider and then he bought the ejrm mm couldn't he just couldn't ride it just wasn't didn't suit him at all and then he's gone he's four stroke but it's a ktm four stroke and yeah he would never change anymore he goes well on it and when he's not falling on his ass so he's uh there's a few like that they either do one or the other i think don't they but it's um yeah it was interesting to see the mix of different right it always is in that class it's always interesting but yeah great result for jake mulford but going back further gareth when you look at riders like uh lee street 
you know, Lee Street was an awesome two-stroke rider, but you know, he 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 did ride a four-stroke uh, and he did try it, but he just he just couldn't. He was it did just didn't suit him. No. Uh, one that did was uh, Dean Camier. Dean Camier was a, a brilliant Kent two-stroke rider. Went on to four strokes, five hundreds. Uh, unfortunately, he had a bit of a crash. I think at Morizes, and um, he never rode grass track again afterwards. Mm. But I think he was all right. But uh, it might have it might have sort of knocked the willies out of him a little bit. But you know, there, there's some that can progress through different styles of bikes, and, and some that can't. You know, and yeah, yeah, that's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, yeah, it is what it is, and I think it will carry on, and it does make for some for some fascinating racing. In fact, so I mean, it, yeah. It's just, it was a thought as I was watching sort of Knowles and Chris still having a fight while all these others were buzzing around the outside. But uh, your ride of the day, Mitch, came in that final um, from what you were talking about before we came on. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, um, Cameron Taylor was really unlucky uh, when, because the finals were so late, it was not nearly seven o'clock, I can't really remember. All I remember was the sun was, the sun was really low, especially from the start line. Um, and I think the dew had started coming up a little bit, and you know, it definitely uh, felt like that on the sidecars in, in my final. Um, but you know, we was watching the, the 250 final, and uh, you know, Cameron was up there with uh, Jake, and we were looking forward to this massive sort of titanic battle at the front. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Cameron dropped it coming out of the last corner on the first lap, and mm. you know, to give to give the lad a lot of credit, you know, he didn't. He didn't sort of throw his toys out the pram or get upset. He picked the bike up and he got back on the bike and he, he gave it his all and picked one or two off, uh, you know, and that, that, I was really pleased to see him give it a go, you know, mm. despite it all going wrong and him losing the, a podium, losing the chance of being, you know, a champion, you know, to be composed enough to get back on it and, and have another another spin was, was great, you know. Uh, yeah. So so that, that was my... Right, well, not I don't know about rider of the day, but I was I was just really impressed by you know I've been impressed by him all year to be honest. Yeah, and I, I did say to, I I never know with Mark and Neil which I can't remember which one it was, but I said to one of them uh, at some point it might have been at, at Ledbury that he's considerably better than both of them put together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. You know, you look at him, he's absolutely fearless. He's coming in with, you know, uh, it, it was the same up at the Cheshire meeting. You know, the the track was quite challenging at Cheshire. It was quite ripply in places. And the, the kid is just riding the socks off it. And, you know, I, I, I think he's got great things in front of him. I, I honestly mm. do. Yeah, looking forward to seeing what he comes up with um, but when he goes 500s. So you talked about Neil Taylor uh, in the 350s. He had a great day in the 350s and finished third uh, overall. Really good riding to really good to see Neil going so well. But uh, as you said, Mitch, a professional uh, race, a professional day, really, from Paul Cooper. I mean, he was absolutely peerless throughout the day. Yeah, I mean, Paul's obviously we know uh, we know Paul's a quality rider. He's another one, a bit like Jake, that had you know masters that he wants to forget. Um, you know, but you know, all credit to Paul. Uh, you know, he, he's a, he was a previous three fifty champion, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's won it. Uh, I think he's only won the 350 once before, but yeah, um, but yeah, he's he's given it, he's given him a little bit of light at the end of you know a dim couple of years because of COVID, you know, mm. and hopefully you know um, you know Paul can take take that victory, keep his, you know keep his confidence up and keep himself buoyant, and that, you know have a good winter and come back strong next year. Yeah, 
yeah, congrats to him. It's, it's his fifth title overall. I think he's got three in the 250s and two in the 350s, which, um, you know, which is great. He's never he's got never got to, up there on them. Go on. He's got to he's got to get out of the kids' classes soon, though, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he's just about just about developed as a rider now, isn't he? So he's about ready. But I, I don't know how much of the solos you saw, Luke. So I'm sort of I haven't really asked you much about it. I don't know if you saw much of it, and you were gone by the time the the finals happened. Yeah, I, we were part sort of further away in the pits as well, so we caught even less, to be honest. I only really saw sort of like. The heat before, which was normally the first heat of the uh, the 500 sidecars, and that was pretty much all I saw really. Mm. Um, I think I'll come over for a race one where Russ decided to um, do a track inspection, but other than yeah. that, yeah, I didn't really see a uh, didn't really see a great deal, unfortunately. I've sort of tried to catch uh, bits of it on YouTube, I just haven't haven't got around to it yet. Yeah, I mean, some brilliant racing in the 350s. Tom Tom Perry. Tom Perry uh, had a horrible day, fell off in the uh, in one of the heats, uh, and then came off in the semi-final, I think, or he broke down in the semi-final, or, or it's one way around or the other. Uh, looked incredibly fast and really got himself sort of interested again. I think he's he's had a long way a long wait to get back on a bike, and uh, he was so keen to get back on a grass track bike and rode really well. Uh, just had a really unfortunate day. Basically, he was unfortunate not to be in amongst it. Uh, but John Cox, who we sort of talked about last week, last time, about sort of being a bit of a dark horse. I know Ben was talking about John. He had a brilliant day. I mean, he had two wins in the heats, and then he sort of, him and Neil Taylor in the final. I don't know if either of you saw it, but they had an absolute epic in the 350 final. Didn't see it, but, um, but I mean, I, Neil was, Neil's very kind of, uh, I don't want to sound sound wrong. He's kind of steady on the bike. He doesn't make many mistakes. He all, you know, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's mm. not wild. He's not loose. You know, John's not the opposite, but John is a little bit looser than Neil. <laughs> and, yeah, they were they were sort of trading places and trading paint for four laps, weren't they? It was brilliant. Yeah, it's definitely worth going and catching on YouTube because it's an awesome race. And uh, yeah, but Paul just steady out in front, just took the win. It was great. So you did catch the left-hand sidecar final, though, and uh, yeah, I mean you missed a treat there, Luke. It was it was a brilliant race. I mean Alex Bauman was the winner eventually, uh, but Rob Heath and Kyle Fish, who were the defending champions, they you know they did what they often do. They made the gate in the final and led it, and then they had problems with the bike. I'm not sure what the problem was. I've not found out, but um, I think. Um... I, I, when we came back from from our final, there was there was a puddle of tears at uh, Rob's van and, yeah. and a chain and a chain laying in it. Right. But no, I think that did they qualify first position b- before the final as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I really feel sorry. I think yeah, literally they, they they'd made you know top scorer during the day, made a perfect start, got to the corner first, and then for a chain. So mm. you know, it was real hard luck on on Rob and Kyle. Um, you know. What more could they do? Nothing. Yeah. But then what developed afterwards was was epic. Yeah, it was superb. It was absolutely superb. I mean, Will Penfold, who had uh, Bradley Reynolds, Bradley Steer, Bradley Reynolds, Bradley Reynolds on the back. Um, Ricky Pay has injured himself or re-injured himself from the arm injury he had. Uh, So they were paired up and Will sort of inherited the lead then and was out in front. And he's been persevering with this Godden, which is his dad's old Godden which won the British Championships itself. Um, he led, but the other three outfits were all over him. I mean, it was like, 
Yeah, well, the other it was like four, I think. feeding I think. time at the zoo, wasn't it? It was they was think, uh, four of them. Yeah, sorry, four. Yeah, I think if you know from from Martin Hook's old days, you know, <laughs> one of Martin Hook's old uh, old catch catch lines was you could chuck all of them in the back of a transit van. You know, and that that really was that really was the case. You know, on lap one they were all together, lap two they were all together. You know, and and then I think uh, Will developed a puncture or something, mm. and and literally they were they was. I mean, I felt so sorry for Will as well because they yeah. were they were climbing all over him, you know. And if it wasn't uh, Bowman, it was somebody else. And if it wasn't him, it was somebody else, you know. You know, Will was clinging on to, you know, the the, the or the the tire was clinging on to the yeah. rim. And Will, you know, I don't know if Will knew what was what the problem was, but you know, it was heartbreak for him and 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 jubilation for for the Bowman. Yeah, it was. It really was. They went round the top corner. I was still at the top corner, uh, going into lap four, the final lap, and literally you couldn't predict who was. There was all five, all five of the outfits, all in with the shout going into the last lap. I mean, you never see that. Uh, I mean, Will the race took a week to complete because just they're so slow. But it was <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Yeah, one uh, one outfit that impressed me was uh, Danny Hill and Harry Hill. They rode really well. I don't. Uh, I know that you guys probably, well, because of the class you're in, didn't get to see them. But they're a really young crew that are racing the left-handers. They were going really, really well, and they looked like they might win it at one point. Uh, they did go through the fence though after that, which is never <laughs> ideal. Um, is that Harry Harry Hill off the telly? Not the same one. That's <laughs> not TV burp Harry Hill. This is Harry Hill of of Colin Hill. Um, but yeah, amazing final, amazing win for Alex and uh, for Mark Hopkins, uh, who then went out and did the 500 Psycho final straight after. I mean, that must be a weird feeling. You win the British title and then you have to go out and have another go. Well, at, least, at least he's going left. <laughs> it's always going the same way, exactly, yeah. And uh, and then we come to uh, the 500 Psycho final. I mean, it was really dark by this point. It was It had been a long day. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, the light had descended and... We came to it, and uh, well, I mean, first of all, Mitch had won his four heats, so sort of European qualification was in the bag, and then you got to the final, uh, and it sort of, I mean, to say it was all just like plain sailing would be very untrue, Mitch, because, yeah, you did all you could to try and loop it on the line, <laughs> and then and then you lost the back end a couple of times, it must have been heart in mouth times, but... Uh, Luckily, you were well. Not luckily. It's no luck involved. Uh, you were that far in front that you could make mistakes and get away with it a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, fortunate. You, I was fortunate. Yeah, fortunate enough. Yeah, fortunate. But you were out in front and gone, really, uh, despite the lift at the start. Yeah, it was a bit of a weird one, really, because we we'd, the the starts had gone from being like super super sort of slippery and greasy at the beginning of the day to to them being super grippy later because you know that dirt is kind of is is sort of that red red sort of clay, isn't it? And mm. uh, you know it had got grippy. I mean, fortunately for us, when it lifted, we had already done sort of two or three meters, and where two ruts had joined together, there was a bit of a hole, and we we yeah we found it, and it wasn't it wasn't by choice. It just launched it in the air. But a lot of that's got to do with the setup that we had. We we were playing a lot day with the ignition and and trying to trying to retard the engine a little bit to make it work on the greasy when it was greasy and then advancing it back to to making it work when it was when it was a bit grippier so um but the dew had started coming up as i said about cameron slipping off the dew had come up 
um, you know, and and we had way too much grip off the start line, you know, and then in, in I think on the second lap in in turns one and two, we nearly was look, you know, we'd nearly done a loop and was looking the wrong way, uh, and then it happened again on lap three down at uh, the pits corner. So, you know, but the the thing with the sidecars is you never know who's coming. You know, are they going to come up the inside? Are they going to come up the outside? And you know. It, it was it was like it was like a real mad eighty seconds for me, you know. Yeah, you know, bonkers, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was it looked like uh, a little bit of relief, I guess. Afterwards, you you know, you looked, you could tell you were absolutely elated at the time, and Paul was really pleased as well. I mean, Paul's been riding five hundred cycles a long time. Um, if anyone's yeah. earned a five hundred title, it's Paul. Yeah, he, yeah, he start. I can't remember the guy he started with. Um, no, it's not Hollingsby. I can't remember. I can't remember who it was. But he rode with he rode with a couple of different guys, and then he rode with Gary for for a number of years, and then Gary broke him, uh, and then he rode with Scott Dunn for a while, and then obviously he rode with Cookie, and then he was going to retire, and then he jumped on with me, and you know Paul was just look really looking. He wanted to 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 get a you know before he packs up, before I pack up, before we pack up, you know he wanted to get a title, and that's one. Um, he did. We I can't remember where it was. We we were drunk somewhere recently, and Paul's got a bit of a habit of gabbing on a bit when he's had a drink. And he was, he, and I overheard him saying to someone that one title, and then that's it. He's going to call it the day. And I had to remind him on the slowdown lap that it wasn't this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, and he assured me it's not. So he must have meant the European title. <laughs> That, well, that's what I definitely meant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but no, so yeah. But Paul was absolutely stoked, and I was stoked, and and then and then we, you know, by the time we've come back and we've started packing up, and then we've gone up and got the the presentation all done, and then we've come back from that, and it's all dark. You know, it was you know by eleven o'clock we'd had enough. We you know we we thought we were going to have a wild night, and we we, we wanted to do was go to sleep. So we we got to, we were in bed by about eleven. And then we were out in the field when it was dark at about quarter past six, half past six. So, you know, it, it was, you know, quite a long drive home because I picked Paul up, for, you know, from Kent via Peterborough, which is on the right, and then going across to the left. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it was it was quite a journey, uh, you know, to get there and get home. Um, yeah, and it didn't really sink in for a couple of days, really. No, no, it's but, uh, it sunk in but, now, though. I think. Yeah, but also, but fair play to. You know the 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 Sean and Louis rode exceptionally well. Yeah, um, yeah they, they had a they had a brilliant first corner uh, in the final. Helped out a little bit. I think I think James Hogg had a good start and then had trouble, which I think he kind of got in the way of one or two of the others. And 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 the Welsh boys were just flying around the outside. So, you know, full credit to them. You know, they've had a they've had a brilliant result. Mm. Um, you know, um, they're not they're not inexperienced anymore. You know, they've been doing it. You know they've been doing it as long as I have almost. Uh, you know they started in 2015, was when I really started. The same as Aaron, you know. Um, and it's nice that they've had a you know a result to to reflect their effort, you know, which is great. Um, you know, and then going on to Aaron, you know, Aaron hasn't ridden for two years. He's he's on with Sean's bike with Sean's passenger in Sean's suit. Actually, yeah. in actual fact, we didn't know it wasn't Sean for a couple of times. We thought, <laughs> we thought Sean had uh, had jumped in. <laughs> but um, but no, you know, full credit to Aaron. He you know he had a brilliant race. Um, yeah, Josh and Liam were a bit unlucky in the final with with Hoggy packing up in front of them. 
um, you know, and Dan was there as well. So, you know, it was it was the, you know, it was it was a it was a tough tough day, a tough final, you know, and well done to everyone really. You know, commiserations to to Phil who had a bit of a perler. Yeah, Phil Rowland's a real yeah. nasty one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've I've looked at that a couple of times on the video, and uh, yeah, it, it was just yeah, two outfits on two different lines, and neither of them really knew what was happening, and it, you know, there was definitely no intent. Uh, it's just sh- yeah, shame that you know they, they they've turned it over, um, like they did because it it looked quite horrible for a little while. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it did look pretty nasty. And uh, yeah, but I think they're all recovering now, which is the main thing. Yeah, there's onboard actually of that crash of uh, from um, Tash's bike. Um, yeah, and that, you can clearly see it's just one of those things. It's you know, it's not uh, it's not lawn bowls, is it? I mean, it's it, these things happen, and you know, Phil and Tom are on the road to recovery now, so hopefully they'll be all okay. But it was a weird one, Mitch, because uh, you were in that race as well, and you'd come round, and I'd sort of seen Mitch and Paul. Come round. I was sort of looking at you, and then, and then suddenly there was this back big accident behind you, and I was thinking, oh god, like I hope they didn't look over, and like everyone else had finished. It almost like it was like a, a side story, really, to what was going on. It was a horrible looking accident. Um, yeah, and Luke, I'll just bring you in because obviously you probably saw a lot more of the accident than Mitch did because it's all happening behind him. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was, um, yeah, um. Sorry, I was like half, half sort of daydreaming, reading other stuff online. Um, yeah, it was all sort of going on behind. I mean, there was a lot of lot of sort of racing going on pretty much through the day as well. To be honest, all the way all the way through. Um, yeah, but with with the crash, I mean, I saw everyone sort of come across the line and see Phil go for the big big blast sort of round the outside, and yeah, two outfits together as you come across the line. It's you know one of those things, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Tash and Kira. Well, they had a, a second in the first ride, and I thought, hang on a minute, it's going to be on for them today. Um, yeah. And then I think, I think, I think physically, it was it was quite rough coming out of that last corner around the inside, and you had to move off it. You know, to find a smooth line, you had to move off it. And um, I don't just, yeah, it just, I think it just maybe wore Tash out a bit, or or what, whatever. I don't know, but you know, going across those those sort of bumps and lumps, it, it was. I think it's just down to not riding as much as as what we're used to riding, you know. And 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 I, I think she was, you know, struggling with the conditions a little bit. And and Phil Phil thought there was a point up for grabs, so you know, it ended up that they were both on the same bit of track at the end. So which is a real shame. Mm, yeah, but other than that, I mean, there was a little bit of an incident in the left hand side cars where Josh Penfold went through the fence uh, and severed his hand quite badly. Uh, and then a couple of solos dropped it here and there, but apart from that, Phil's was the only major incident really. Um, so all, all, you know, all good really. Apart from that, uh, it was a tricky track actually. It looked, you know, and I always say it should be for a British Championship. It was a good track, uh, but certainly you couldn't just blast it. You had to sort of think about it a little bit. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, and and that's what I'm saying. We we we, you know, speaking from from our own point of view, we we didn't change our gearing all day. We didn't change the bike setup all day. Literally, all we were doing was working working on the ignition, and and making the making the bike uh, work on the surface. You know, there's it was there wasn't really a tire choice option. You know, um, you know sometimes when it slicks off, you can go to a speedway tire, you can go to the trials front. 
all, all those sort of things weren't going to work. So, you know, we were, we were working with, you know, one problem at a time and, ch- and changing one thing each race to, to, to try and get your head around what you're changing and what difference it's making. Um, mm. And you can understand that you can, you can, you know, what's going to work and what's not going to work. So, you know, for us, you know, we, we, it was quite interesting really because we, you know, we, we, there was, there was issues and problems and, and we solved them. It's uh, when I spoke to Mark and obviously we'll hear that in a minute, Mark talked a lot about bike setup and chasing the setup and things as well. And there's a real, there's real comparisons between what you guys, what you both say in here, which, you know, makes perfect sense. You're both British champions now. So yeah, I mean, for those people out there that are technically minded, it's going to be a great podcast because they love all of that sort of thing. Um, well, Mark, Mark's a very clever guy, you know, and, and, yeah. and you know, and the worst thing you can do is, is come in in a bit of a panic and, and, and go, right, well, let's change that. Let's change that. Let's change that. Because, you know, if one of them works, but one of them doesn't work, you're in the same situation, but you don't know why, mm. uh, you know, so you've got, you've got to do things. You've got to sort of go back to basics and do things simply. Um, and, and, and that's the learning. And that's, you know, when we, when we had that first, the first podcast, number one, you know, and that's mm. what the one of the things I was saying, you know, on there was, you know, there's so much to learn, but it's all available, and and you've just got to to sort of put your head, put your mind to it, talk to talk to your team, talk to your passenger, and and solve the problems. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's something that some people can do, and it does give them the edge, definitely. You know, some people have mastered that over the years, and yeah, it's certainly working at the moment for you, and it worked there at the British Championships, and that's it. So. Uh, that's when it counts so yeah european next obviously yourselves and josh if the you know if it's be if it's if the qualification for europe is the same as it always is it'd be you and josh into the uh the european final for next year uh and then sean hughes will go to the semi-final along with um uh aaron vale and uh dan berwick as well so a decent uh couple of riders for the for the uh british going into europe as well yeah, well, I mean, I mean, Dan's been. Dan went to a uh, semi-final at Roden a couple of years ago. Had a brilliant day, qualified for the final. Uh, um, uh, Aaron went to Houndstetton, um, I think, in two thousand nineteen, qualified for the final at Enram. You know, so you know they they can both do it. Uh, I think for the for the Welsh boys, it's uh, going to be a sort of new pastures. Um, but you know, with the support and team that they've got together, you know, you know Barry and I have done loads abroad, so you know, there's there's definitely some experience there that uh, you know will will get sort of imprinted, I'm sure. Um, but there's no reason why why they can't um, make, none of them, all of them should be able to make the final. Yeah. None of them shouldn't, you know. They they should all be able to make the final, but it depends where where the semi final is. It depends what kind of track it is. It depends, you know, what time of year it is. There's you know there's a lot of variables, but you know I look forward to seeing you know all of them in the final. It'd be great. Yeah, yeah, it certainly will. Yeah, definitely. So that is the uh, the British uh, British Championships for 2021. Some brilliant racing. There was also an upright solo support class, which uh, which was which provided some good entertainment as well. Darren Phillips came out the winner in the end. It was pitch, pitch black near enough by the time he went out for the final. Uh, Paul not in second. Uh, a good class to have as the support for the British Championships, I think. Um, and yeah, some really good racing in that class too. But altogether, a fabulous meeting. I don't think I've seen, seen any bad word about it. And for the fact that it ran on so long, uh, through various reasons really, they had a stoppage for the paramedics when uh, Phil and Tom were hurt. 
which delayed it a little bit. But people didn't seem to complain. I mean, it was just, yeah, everyone was just happy to be there. And I wonder, I know this is a contentious issue with you, Luke. Uh, Well, it was a Saturday. And as the time was going on, I was thinking, well, I've got nowhere to be tomorrow. Uh, And I wasn't too worried. But I do know your mum was a bit put out because she wanted to get home and see the Anthony Joshua fight. Yeah, I'm the. I'm not. I'm not alone. Yeah, I'm not. Not a massive fan of of Saturday meetings. I mean, um, of our young family, we do various like clubs. You know, kids go to clubs. Uh, my wife works on Saturday, so you know, sorting all those things out as well, and then and then trying to go racing on the other side of the country as well. Um, I finished work late Friday, and then was up very early Saturday morning on my way over. So. Yeah, um, yeah. I can see. I mean, I can see why people like it. Like, because even you said to us, you're quite glad you haven't got to go to work on the following day, and you can just have a day of doing, you know, whatever you want, really, yeah. without having to rush back to go to work. So I prefer it. I do prefer it. I mean, Ben and Russell both. Ben and Russell both hate the Saturday meetings, and I know that you don't like them either. Um, but I pre- I 100% prefer it. It gives me the Sunday. If I want to take my son, I can take him because I'm not too worried about him being late to bed uh, Saturday night. Um, so he can get to the racing as well. If it runs on, it runs on. I'm not too worried. If I want to stay and have a beer afterwards, I can do that too. Uh, it just makes sense for my situation. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about running on a Saturday, Mitch? Um, it's, not really an, it's not really a problem. I mean, a lot of the time when we're in, in Germany and stuff... To, to leave on a Friday night after work, we're gone, you know. Um, then sometimes to, to, to wait for a Sunday meeting is a bit of a ball ache because you, you're wasting a day just driving. Hmm. So to get to get somewhere and ra- race in Germany on, on a Saturday and then have the Sunday to come home, it, it, yeah, it works for us that way. Um, I think if it's, you know, when, it's, when you're in Europe and it's under floodlight and it doesn't finish till, you know, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, you know, you... you you might stay there. You might get a couple of hours down the road before you sleep or whatever. But it kind of it's the it's, it's the event, isn't it? I think the issue we've got over here is you know starting at you know ten o'clock on a Saturday morning doesn't suit a lot of people. Yeah. Um. You know when we went up to the first Lebry one, you know we I took half a day off work. Uh, to, to get up there enough time on the Friday night. You know, this Lebry one I took the whole day off work because I had to go via Peterborough, which is on the right. Um. But yeah, I mean, if if it's if it's in midsummer and it can run later, then I think it's going to be even better. Yeah, you know? I mean, it doesn't get dark till ten o'clock, you know. So why why finish at half past four? Yeah, yeah. Um, Lebry do that. Lebry have done that a few times where they've run a Saturday afternoon evening meeting. Yeah, it does yeah. work. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It's got it's definitely got potential. You know. You know, we, we try and, you know, we try and maximise the bank holidays in this country to run, you know, the big meetings have always tended to run, you know, like with the poacher on, on, on August bank holiday and, and whatever runs in May bank holiday because, and you get more campers, you get more people at those meetings because they haven't got to rush off. They haven't got to stay. They can make a longer weekend of it. Um, so I think, I think, I think the Saturday stuff has got potential, but I just think, I, I, I hope and I wish that, you know, given the daylight hours, we could manage the times a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, if you're listening in and you've got an opinion on the Saturday uh, meetings, get in touch with the show, grasstrackbanterpodcast at outlook.com. We'd love to hear what you think uh, about running on a Saturday. Obviously, I'm in favour of it, but I'm well outnumbered by Russell, Luke and Ben, 
who uh, who all are completely against it for various different reasons. But let us know what you think. Uh, ben did get in touch with us live from Lineker's Bar in Spain via a, I don't know if he's had too many uh, too many sangrias or what's happening, but he's got in touch with us. He wants to talk about the British Championships. He said that uh, his ride of the day actually was Jake Mulford in the first 250 race. So similar to you, Mitch, with Henry, Henry Atkins. Uh, it was turning into a belter with both riders changing positions on more than one occasion before Russell dropped it. And then the race was so good that he didn't even see Russell crash, uh, which is the worst bit about Russell's crash is nobody actually saw it. Uh, <laughs> and then he ruined a really good race as well. So, yeah, it couldn't have been worse for the poor boy. His rider of the day was Jake Mulford as well. Um, he said he had a winning race time that was two seconds quicker than the 350 final, which, yeah, raised a few eyebrows. I don't know how you make that... Uh, you know, he was he was two seconds faster than Paul Cooper in the 350s, which is remarkable, really. And uh, and the, his moment of the day, uh, probably the double quarter pounder with cheese on the way home. <laughs> if I had to pick a moment in the racing, the four lap race between Neil Taylor and John Cox in the 350 final was very good. Great day at the British Championships. Uh, if you were there, I'm sure you enjoyed it. If you weren't, you missed a belter, but it is available on YouTube. So get yourselves on YouTube. And have a look at the British Championships from Ledbury. But now Costa has got away. We'll make it number six this afternoon. Well, we will be he must have been absolutely disappointed when that a tremendous performance from Mark Cusser and passenger Gareth Williams. So on the Grass Track Banter podcast for this week, and probably for next week as well, we're joined by a man who is considered by many to be the greatest man to ever drive a sidecar, uh, certainly in the modern era, without question. Six times he's climbed onto the top step at the British Masters, and uh, the sixth one, of course, very recently. And he hasn't had a season where he's been off the podium since he won his first title in 2009. A remarkable achievement. So that's 13 years of dominance. So without question, he's won more races at the Masters and anywhere really than anyone else in the last decade. So welcome to the podcast, newly crowned British Masters champion, Mark Cossa. How you doing, Mark? Thanks, Gareth. Yeah, not too bad, thank you. What do you think of that build-up? <laughs> well, yeah, For a bit of an overhype, but yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't think so. I think that we can... Uh... We always think of the past as being a lot better than it is now, but uh, yeah, the record speaks for itself, really, Mark. And uh, obviously, another British Masters added to the five that you already had, uh, six now, uh, and the yep. day seemed to go relatively smoothly. I don't know. It was it was it a good day from uh, from um, in the helmet as well? Yeah, um, challenging day, um, mainly on track. Off track went quite smoothly, to be fair. Setup was easy to find. We kind of dialed that in in practice and didn't change the bike all day, really. Um, you started off with a, a meeting Gareth Winterburn in the first race, which is obviously, uh, well, I don't know, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it can work against you, but yeah, it worked well this time. Yeah, I'm not really sure. We kind of 
the same happened in 2019 as well. Mm. And obviously the engine flew. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I don't did know. That, did that bad. go through your mind this time? Because obviously it's very close. You must have been thinking at the end of that heat, oh, well, at least we've got to fall out this time. Well, yeah, I, I knew I knew what the parts that were letting go were, and I've sorted that now. So I was quite confident in the engine. But mm. yeah, I'll be honest with you, it didn't it didn't come into my mind after that. It was more okay. Well, that worked. Let's do the next one. Yeah, and then it was pretty much plain sailing. I think we said uh, on the build up uh, last time, or on the sorry on the review last time that. Things were a bit difficult for Gareth because he was coming from the back all the time, but you were just making starts and off you went. Yeah, we um, I put a lot into getting out of the line, and um, since the the Dig Dog Lane Masters where it just wasn't right, so we've changed a lot since then, and um, it wasn't very good not having much track time before the Masters because mm. I didn't get to try the setup in a full meeting. But, um, yeah, it worked. It all worked. Yeah, it did. And uh, the final, obviously, the first run of the final, your heart must have sank when you found yourself behind Gareth uh, for the first <laughs> few laps. I know. It, um, I thought, yeah, here we go again. Been here. <laughs> um, no, it just uh, it was a mistake off the start. I think I was sat in the wrong position and it, it, it lifted the sidecar wheel out to come out with the throttle and it gave Gareth that, that little bit. But he was made, he had a good line in the first turn, which I never picked up on until watching the videos. Um, and if I'd have picked up on that, I could have blocked him because I was actually in front. But then he, yeah. he was leaving it late because he was on a wide line. But um, you don't know that at the time. No, it all sort of happens very quickly. But yeah. I mean, what's your thought process when, you know, you've had all these times in the past at the Masters where everything builds to the Masters, it gets to that final race. And, you know, Colin at Wimborne did it to you and Gareth and yep. Rod have both been a thorn in your side. What's your thought process there when they get in front of you? Um, well, it's nowadays it's all one off a start. Mm. Um, just because the bikes are so evenly matched. and the, Especially around Springfield, the way it was laid out, there was only one line. And whoever was in front, it was really hard to pass. So, um, yeah, you just, when you're behind, it's like, you don't really think about it. You just keep trying different lines to gain a few yards, but I don't know if I'd have got him. I'm not sure. No, just made, we'll never made know, sure that the, no, made sure that the second start, it didn't go wrong. I think we all said, uh, well, you don't get a second chance. That's it really. No. <laughs> we knew you weren't going to let that happen again. No, we, we did make a, a, a slight little change to the bike just in between the two runs oh, really it might have helped oh, okay it, never really know yeah that's quite interesting so it's i mean it was heart and mouth stuff but then the uh it's interesting mark when when you miss the gate and you must be aware of this when you miss the gate and everyone goes off everyone it's all about if you're going to be able to overtake but when you make the gate it's like head down gone and you know it's <laughs> the, the, the writing's on the wall well yeah apart from cornwall but yeah well, yeah that was that's a different story, but it, it, no, it, it, the bike's got a good speed when it when it can get get it in front and hold it open. It's mm. it's it's quick. Yeah, we'll talk about the bike a bit in a bit because obviously it's it's uh, something that you've developed yourself over time. Um, but yeah. six six titles, nobody's ever won that many. It's the first you know you've beaten a record there. 
Um, only Bill Evans actually has won six right-hand titles before, and his last one was in 1961, so way before we oh, even really? thought about. So okay. Is it something you think about, the stats, the gravitas of it all? Um, the fifth one was a hard one to get. I don't know why. Mm. Um, that eluded me. Uh, and then the sixth has been a few years now. So I don't, don't necessarily think about stats, but not a lot anyway. Um we get spoke about between friends and people, obviously, but it's not something I sit and think about on my own as such. It's, uh, you know, that's it's it now. And whether the sport was bit was bigger earlier in the, you know, in the eighties and nineties, or if it's bigger now or whatever, the fact is, is you're in the you're in the uh, history books. People like me are going to talk about it all the time, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah it'll, it'll live on forever as long after you've gone as well. So. Uh, oh yeah. god i mean like moved away from the sport moved i mean <laughs> yeah no i know no yeah. we'll try and get seven in beat the levens yeah well sean harvey's got 10 on the 500 sidecars so uh you know is that something you're sort of going to aim at um i wouldn't say aim at it'd be nice to have 10 yeah it um just keep well, while i'm still enjoying me racing i'll keep going yeah if we keep winning them is. we keep winning them yeah and you've been riding a long time now i mean it feels like uh, because I think because you're younger, you know, what are you, 35, 36? Yeah, 35. So it feels like it feels like you still haven't been riding long, but it's, what is it, like 15 years now, isn't it, you've been riding? Yeah, like, I, riding I, the bike. I worked in like, yeah, 2015, uh, 2005 was my first season, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 16 years. A lot of water under the bridge since, so it's, uh, yes. you know, you're not, you're a bit long in the tooth for it all now, but <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> another 20 no, years. There's a lot of young people coming through as well. Yeah, oh, there is a few. I mean, Kieran, obviously the Kierans are going well, and um, yeah. yeah, it's what we need more, don't we, really? Well, I think the average age of the sidecar riders was younger than the solo riders on the podium. Really? Yeah. Well, well. Mitch, Mitch, and Chris are both older than me, mm. and everyone else on the on the podium was younger than me for the sidecars. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Actually, never thought about that. Yeah. And we've uh, Mitch is on our podcast, so we'll we'll give him some stick for that tomorrow. <laughs> we speak to him. He takes the average up. He certainly does. Yeah, he sort of bends the uh, bends the stats a little bit. Bless him. But yeah. um, yeah, you've also another little stat for you actually is I think I can't remember if I mentioned this to you, but now there's only one rider that's won more races at the Masters than you, and that's no, uh, Ro- Roger Misa. Oh, Roger. Okay. Yeah, he's oh. he's won something like 87 or something, and I think you've won 59. So oh, a bit fair way to go to then. You. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he had two rounds when he used to ride, see? Ah, that's cheating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Roger Mieser and these names from the past, you know, Ken Lane, yep. Russelling, they all sort of came before you came along into the sport, really. Do you know much about them at all? I mean, people must mention them to you. Um, I know Roger to speak to, actually. Mm. Um, but no, not really. I've not really, don't know much. I know Roger rode a V4. Uh, I spoke to him a few times. Yeah, yeah it's about, about about it really. He's, uh, I mean, they must. Uh, does he talk to you much about sort of what you've achieved? And I mean, he must keep a keen eye on it. Um, not really. No, I'd, if I see him in the pits when he's there passing, um, yeah, we speak, say hi, but not, not, not get into into too much conversation about that. No. I wonder if he would argue that it was harder in his day. <laughs> um, maybe, but yeah. then you could say like 
I reckon Australia's the hardest, and we went and won over there. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that as well, definitely. <laughs> it's uh, it's a, certainly a lot faster than his day, and I don't think you'll want to hear that either. But um, the bikes are faster, but the, the bikes are faster now than they were when I won when I won my first Masters. There's mm. there's no questions about it. Yeah. What I have to do to make the same Suzuki work now and be competitive compared to what I was riding a standard engine back then, um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's miles different. Mm. And you think there's a lot of difference in the speed? Um, yeah, there's a lot of difference in the bikes. Right. There's a lot of difference in the engine, the engines. Obviously, with the Yamahas, the cross planes, they're just really quick. Yeah. And then the chassis are, are way different to back then now. Yeah, they've. I mean, there's, there's a couple of things there really that's that's immediately made me think the the sort of slung out front end that. Uh, well, I suppose you sort of started bringing that about and now everyone's followed suit i mean where did that come from well it's just a speedway front end that's all it is on my bike it's the same geometry as a speedway bike the duckers nobody seemed to do it before they just it never seemed to clock that oh well the speedway bike looks like that perhaps the grass bike would go well as well gary jackson played that's it Hmm. um so did arvin matthews but no one persevered with that i think right and now Um, everyone looks like it they're all at it now well, they've come further, haven't they? The 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 Ducker frames are um they're a lot different headstock. Mm. Yeah. So I've never never rode one, so I don't know what they're like, but they look uh, they look a lot different. Yeah, they look very low, some of them, really low on the front yeah. end, and and sort of yeah. almost like a rake, like a Formula One rake sort of thing. But yeah, um, they um they make the rider look big. Mm. That's what that's what makes it stand out. <laughs> yeah, you look you look really tall on one. Oh, no, I don't think I'd suit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and the other thing with that is obviously you mentioned the cross plane there, which is what Tom rides, uh, and yep. you sort of you had a go on one, but you've always stuck with the Suzuki. Yeah, um, I was going to go with the cross plane and have a season on it, and then Tom rode it at Springfield when I lent it him, liked it, and sort of twisted my arm and bought it mm. off me. So. Um, I think I did one heat on it at Springfield. It felt good. Um, it's probably gonna. It's probably the way to go. Right. Especially the newer one that Tom's on. Mm. Um, but you've got no but, plans for that at the moment. No, it just it costs that much money. Mm. I've got that much, that many Suzukis. Right. Um, got five decent engines, three bikes. So it's for me to change it, it. Yeah, it'd be. Uh, I wouldn't be able to afford it right, right. now. Anyway, it's uh, silly money. They look like a different style of riding. I mean, the Suzuki is. It always seems like a, such a smooth engine, and uh, almost seems to suit your style more than the crossplane, which seems to be a bit more, more like a button. Really, you switch it on and off. But yeah, there's a couple of ways of riding them crossplanes. I think. Um, they don't. They don't. They don't like. They don't like grippy tracks unless you set them up right. That's that's evident. Right. Um, but then you watch some of them. Some of the riders. They, they do. They turn them on and off. Hmm. But then when when you watch Darren in Australia, he doesn't shut it down. Hmm. And then he's still really hard to catch. Yeah. So I think it. I think it's more. More how you set the chassis up. And to your riding style, so, and then 
the cross plane will suit both. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting that so many went to the cross plane, and you know, usually everyone go. You know, when Roger Misa went X up, everyone else went X up, and when you know when they were doing other things with frame, steer frames, John Holsey went steer frames, everyone else went steer frames. And yep. the Suzuki situation in the R1 is a complete anomaly. It really is. It's, it's completely different. Everyone else has gone cross-plane and you've stayed with the Suzuki and, and no one's gone back to it, really. No, it's hard, isn't it? Because I actually think they're quicker, the Suzukis, mm. in the right conditions. Um, and I've been helping a couple of riders in Australia and um, they're the same. They, they, they've got the same opinion of me as me. Um, but the cross-plane looks so good because everybody rides them. Yeah. Yeah, it's the same as anything, I suppose. You only need five or six to go well, and then, yeah, it becomes yeah. vogue, doesn't it? So I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. So, uh, so we'll go right back to the beginning, uh, Mark. Right to the beginning, and uh, your sort of first. Uh, well, where was your first sort of exposure to the sport? Because I think was it. Am I right in saying that your mum was already the track racing secretary, um, and then you sort of came along to the sport from there? Yeah, basically. So my first ever time I've seen the sport was the Masters at Dalton Barracks. It would probably been 2001, maybe. Right. Was it a wet one? The wet one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it was ended up being joint. I think that's where Tony Dart, or whatever his name, Tony Dart, I think it was yeah. hurt his leg. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, yeah. That's the first time I went. And then my dad decided he was going to get a bike. So I came along to watch. In 2004 mm. and um yeah ended up being chucked on the back because his passenger <laughs> fell off right. and then yeah after there it was an addiction yeah it certainly is i mean i think i i think i can remember your first meeting it was at worcester and uh and i can remember you being on the back and not really knowing what on earth's going on and so i've <laughs> been quite starry-eyed with it all yeah um, possibly it didn't take long, though, Mark, to be honest. And then before you knew it, you were on the back of James Rogers. That's it. Yeah. Uh, did a few with James. Yeah. He did the Super Series in that year as well. What did he teach you then, James Rogers? I mean, he's you know he's been around the sport a long time. Um, James was a lot of help um, because obviously I was very green. So him and uh, Damo helped me, brought me on a fair bit to understand. Um and obviously, me and James are still good friends now. Mm. He taught me quite a lot of what I know, to be fair, especially with building the frames. Mm. Yeah, and the, your first grass track outfit was one of his, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it's the one we rode. We mm. rode in 2004, and then I bought it at the end of 2004 and uh, went from there. And what, we must have been, what, 18, 19 at that point? Yeah, got to be something Young. like that. Can't Young. do the rest now, but yeah. Yeah, and a few Probably people were, were sort of, uh, well, you raised eyebrows, Mark, didn't you, to start with? <laughs> I don't think I liked, I was liked. <laughs> I think that's uh, that was evident. Yeah, it, I, to be fair, it took a long time for you to shake that as well. I, mean, I remember people sort of, you know, talking about you being wild and all this, and it, it just, you know, within a few years, you tidied everything up, and, and that was, you know, but the, re- the reputation carried on for a little bit after that. Oh, yeah, that's I'm not long gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't definitely. Know, but it just yeah, it sticks, doesn't it? Yeah, that certainly did. Unfairly really, because I mean I've seen I've genuinely seen you uh back off 
in situations where you're going to hit people. In, and a lot of people wouldn't. Um, no. Yeah. I try to avoid that. it as much as I can. Sometimes it's unavoidable, though, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it, there was a time where riders would have ridden right over everybody. And I don't yeah. think that happens anymore, which is, you know. No, it, there's a lot less contact than, than, than there perhaps used to be. Mm. Yeah, is it that's but a I, good I, thing? Yeah, I do. I don't think the newer bikes and the speed that they've got could take some of the hits. Mm. Um, I might be wrong. Yeah. No, I think I, I think from a spectator's point of view, I think they used to like watching the sidecars career into each other. But from a rider's point of view, you know, both the fact that I was a passenger didn't really like being run into, and the the fact that the bikes you don't want the bikes wrecked every week. I mean, it's uh, yeah, there's expensive bits of kit under you now, aren't they? So yeah, it doesn't take a lot to turn one over. No. Especially not with the front wheel. Yeah. Yeah. So that's then, all good. Uh, yeah. It's so you had the James Rogers bike, and then you uh, borrowed uh, Dad's bike for a bit and then you got the yeah. jackson but the jackson sort of it's sort of developed from there really i think you've just i don't know when did you start realizing i'm going to stop start building my own outfits um when they kept breaking just kept mending <laughs> them and then um i learned a lot from dave twynham he mm. built me a speedway bike and helped me with that first jackson frame so we built that together that was the first one that i'd actually seen being built mm. And then uh, in 2011, after that, we uh, I, um, I got help from a, a guy called John Pearson, and we built a few bikes together, actually. Um, he taught me an awful lot. And then after that is when I started building them, really. Mm. So it's sort of like just... It's the same bike in places as it was in 2009. No, no, it's not. Tom's got that one. But it, really? they're, they're, yeah, they're um, it's kind of just evolved. Yeah. So it sort of like change one bit, then another bit, and you end up you've got a whole new motorbike, but it's still oh no, the exhaust is still the same on it as they were in two thousand and nine. <laughs> it's like uh, like triggers broom. It's that's that's, like... that's it. Yeah, I think that's what <laughs> Matt calls it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I mean, it looks now it looks such a decent like it looks like it's going to go fast your bike like we i remember sort of it came to a point where um you were riding around and when you were in the first masters to be fair the bike you were on then was sort of red and it it, it was still bit parts of the jackson i think wasn't it yes it was and then yeah. uh, and then i don't know maybe 10 years ago your bike started to look fast even stood still in the pits um and this just this element of professionalism entered entered there um would that have been so? Would that have been still the same bike, but just with sort of different components on it? No, no, that was that was the that was the new one. Right. So that was about 2014, would it have been? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after I got back from Australia, I kind of changed everything on it that was the original bike, mm. um, and that that's when that's when I started building them in rugby basically so i could do everything myself yeah and then obviously you're not paying other people to do it you can do it yourself you can make them look how you want yeah what uh how did it come about i mean i wouldn't have a clue to be honest how to, like and the fact that you sort of set trends as well i mean i've been around the sport my whole life i would not know where to start whereas you've sort of come into the sport did you have a lot of back any background at all of sort of building yes. frames or engineering not frames um engines 
mechanics. Mm. Um, and it's frames I learned over the 15 years I've been doing it. But the, the, the sort of, well, all of it I have, I suppose, along the way. But yeah, I've always been mending my motocross bikes and rebuilding them and from like the age of five. Right. So it's, uh, and obviously my dad taught me a lot because he, uh, he's been, he was racing since he was 18, 17, 18, mm. uh, and doing all his own, own, own equipment and engines. So it's sort of in the blood, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And now obviously, um, your bike and Tom's bike, but there's also a couple of others of your frames about, um, Lots, yeah. of, you know. There's a few around. It's not not loads. So I think it's probably time more than anything, isn't it, that they've not just turned out like a steer frame factory. Yeah, I don't like repeatedly building. Right. Uh, in fact, I don't like building grass up bikes mm. for other people. Um, they're just too time consuming and they get boring. But right. when it's your when it's your own, you, you, you don't mind it. Mm. Yeah. So um, I've, I've built a few, three, four, I think. People that sort of twist my arm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I probably won't. I probably won't build any more now. But okay. We'll see. Hmm. How long does it take <laughs> to build one? Uh, I don't really know. Is the easy <laughs> answer. Um, it depends what what you want to build it to, and obviously the time scale you've got. You, if you if you just you could build one in in a month if you spent a solid month, mm. ten hour days, five days a week. You could probably do it in five weeks, but you can't spend that much time on on one one job. Yeah, yeah, it's a big not, commitment, not, isn't it? Yeah. So um, I think the, the one I'm finishing off at the minute it took me two years. Wow. But that's only because of COVID, and it was supposed to be ready for the start of 2020. Right. But obviously COVID stopped that, and then start of this season it got sort of sidelined for other projects. So right. that, that's nearly been finished now. Okay, is this a grass bike? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I think probably won't ride it this year because he's uh, got no more meetings. But no. he'll be ready for the next month, I think. So anything, anything to note that's on the new outfit? Then what are we looking out for? Oh, it's not my outfit. It's oh, okay. Customers. Oh right, okay. So someone else on no. a bike on one of your bikes yeah. again? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I thought you meant you built yourself a new one. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, this is somebody else's. Right. I see. I ain't got room for another one. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. They don't look like you need it, Mark, to be honest. <laughs> no, they're too big. They're too, they're too big to store. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's not like a bicycle, is it? You can put it in no. the back of your head. No. Even, even so, solos, you can stack them alongside each other, but these things are just, yeah, take yeah. a lot of room. Yeah. So that, uh, first of all, that first Mar- that first British Masters title um, at Cornwall with Tom on the back, I mean... Sort of talk us through the day. I mean, it's a great day for you, obviously. And even looking back at the video, I'm sure you've watched it yourself. You both look delighted until Tom falls off, of course. Oh, no, yeah. I um, I was I was full of confidence that year because we'd had we'd gone from the year before not really winning, and then um, it all started coming together that year. So I was full of confidence, and uh, I went into the meeting confident. And it um, it wasn't easy. It was, I think, was tied on points for Colin. I think. Mm. Um, but I just kind of there was no pressure either at the time, so I just rode. No one was looking at me to win. I don't think. No. 
No, it was everyone knew you were going to be there or thereabouts, and then you had a couple of really good rides, and I think then the final obviously came along, and yeah, and the rest was history. But it was a it was a popular win at the time. I think I think everyone was sort of pleased to see it was it was the chart moving on of uh, times. I think a little bit, and and obviously to do it with your brother as well was extra well, special. A, yeah, yeah, because obviously he uh, he's the youngest passenger that can't now be beaten. I think at sixteen. Mm. So that was that was yeah incredible really. Yeah, yeah. And that was track amazing. suited me. Yeah, it was a funny little track. It was a tiny sort of banked track, and it, I mean the racing yeah. producer was incredible. It was in a bowl, like mm. it was yeah two bank corners. It was I liked it, really liked it. It's yeah. a shame we can't go back there. Yeah, it was a good good track, good little track, and some of the best racing we've ever seen there really. But um, yeah. Yeah, Tom sort of watched you. I remember my first memories of Tom is when I rode with your dad, actually, at High Easter. And he was already like the size of an 18-year-old, like 13, 14. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and he was absolutely chomping at the bit to get on the back of you even then. Uh, yeah. And then to go full, you know, go full circle and then win the Masters. I mean, I know he still talks about it a lot. Yeah, he loved it. That was, um, yeah, brilliant. And then my dad loved it as well because obviously seeing his two sons winning. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it's what dreams are made of, isn't it? So now it's time for our new feature, which we started last time. Mitch's blast from the past, and uh, Mitch is well connected, gent. He's got lots of connections in the sport, so we thought we'd exploit that for all it's worth uh, and task Mitch every week to get hold of some old riders that we perhaps haven't heard from for a while, see what they're up to, see how they're getting on. So, Mitch, who have you got for us this week? Well, we've got uh, th- three guys, really. Um, kind of very different different uh, people and, and, and def- different uh, exploits within our sport. We've got uh, some, some information from Glenn Cunningham, uh, and from Joe, Joe Screen and from Ivor Matthews. So uh, let's start with let's start with Joe. Obviously, Joe was a Masters champion. Mm. Um, I can't remember when. When did he win? Ninety-one, um, I think. Oh uh, yeah. Was his, no, sorry, ninety-two. Ninety-one was Mark Loram. Ninety-two was his first one, and then he won it again in two thousand and three, I think. Uh, I've got Joe. Yeah, he won in two thousand and three at Astra. Uh, and he, yeah, he won it in uh, 95. 95, was it? Well, yeah. Uh, and was it 92? Did he win it in 92? No. Yeah, it no, was 92. No. Yeah, he was 92. Definitely. Yeah, 92. Uh, Wimborne. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so, yeah, Joe was a yeah, very experienced uh, grass track and spear rider. Um, it, obviously, he's, he's a northern lad uh, and a man of uh, few words. Is <laughs> 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 our Joe. But uh, yeah, basically, I sent him a, a little text asking him to to, to just to give an update on where he is. He said, uh, "I'm a ke- kennel and cattery owner and walk dogs for a living. Winning the Masters on a Godden is up there with some of the best memories. Hope you and the family are well, fella." Yeah. So <laughs> short and sweet from Joe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good stuff. We but, caught up with Joe on episode 13 as well. So if you've uh, if you're listening in and you want to hear about joe he, he was on our podcast way back when it seems a long time ago now but top bloke absolute top bloke so, yeah so, so joe, he, he seems like he's doing all right i mean i, I did uh, i can't remember where i was i think i was at the ice speedway in Assen a few years ago and uh, found him in a bar somewhere which got messy <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, yeah, he, he, he's such such a, a charismatic person. He, you know, you, you can't you can't not warm to him, can you? But uh, and then yeah, I got in touch with Glenn Cunningham. Obviously, Glenn uh, was you know uh, a Masters champion uh, as well. Yeah, uh, Glenn was actually a joint Masters champion. Uh, if I remember, it was at North Burke, wasn't it? Yeah, in the slopping uh, wet. Yeah, uh, I think that's when Neil Owen had his sixth, wasn't it? I don't, anyway, um, yeah, Glenn, Glenn, uh, and Kelvin Tatum were declared the winners because the final couldn't take take place. Uh, Paul Hurry was third, uh, but yeah, Glenn went on and uh, rode several years in the uh, GP series afterwards, as well as obviously his, his speedway career. But yeah, from, from this, you know, Glenn's words, here they are. Uh, Basically, I was forced to stop racing in 2007 when I shattered my femur while racing Speedway. I have a lot of metal work now in my leg, holding my femur hip together, which became clear would have to stay in me forever. So after about two years, many trips and talks with the surgeon about possible extra damage or injury to my leg, it was decided that I had best retire from the sport. This was tough for me, as over the two years recovering, I still thought I would have had the opportunity to race again. And obviously, racing was all I knew since my youth grass track days. Since then, though, I've been working in the family business. We own two residential parks, in one in South Wales and one in Wiltshire. So I spend a lot of my time managing them. I also do a bit of property development when the right projects come up. I have two boys now, Alfie, who is 14, and Freddie, who is 10. Over the last few years, they've started getting into mountain biking. So I spend a lot of time with them doing that which also keeps me fit and I really enjoy it too. My best moment in grass track and long track was probably in 1997 when I finished third in the World Grand Prix Series. Another high was winning the British Masters in 2001, although it was joint win with Kelvin Tatum, as we were meant to be having a runoff for the title, but the heavens opened and they called off the meeting. Generally though, I was lucky enough to race in, in an era where there were so many world-class riders about. It was so cool to race against the guys that seemed like legends to me when I was a kid. The likes of Simon Wigg, Marvin Cox, Kelvin Tatum, Egon Muller, Gerd Riss, Robert Bath and Karl Meyer, and many, many more. Looking back, I can't really complain about my career on the grass and shale. Anyone who knows me knows I always had a good time, especially after the meetings, and now and again, before. <laughs> so, great, great message from Glenn. Yeah, and thanks, Glenn nice to see that he's uh, you know he's he's you know living life to the full as he always did you know and yeah. and enjoying being a father and, and and spending time with his with his boys so yeah it's great from glenn uh, and then you know slight bit of a different twist to me we spoke uh, i reached out to ivor matthews um and ivor's quite an uh, elic what's, what's the right word i can't remember what the right word is he's he, he, very well spoken is ivor yeah, um, he's, he's quite articulate articulate that's what I was looking for so Ivor sent me a little bit of an essay so uh, right here we go Ivor Matthews I stopped racing grass track in 2007 in fact I only did two meetings that year the Masters Challenge which I squeezed through but then came third in the Masters itself I rode Speedway for two or three more years afterwards but as we had emigrated to France in 2008 finding the time to do the required prep became a real issue even though I was still working in the UK I am no mechanic and therefore I also missed the input of my father Gordon who had also emigrated before I did. Whilst I still love the actual racing, the combination of the logistical challenges and the inevitable decline in results made me realise it was time that the time was right to stop after 30 years. 
he had done nine solo years and 21 cycle years, which I didn't realise that either had done any solo racing. So I don't, I don't think he was very good. But... <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> he goes on. Fortunately, I finished relatively injury three, although I have had subsequent, I have subsequently had to undergo an operation to my scaphoid, which was never found to have healed properly, despite being pinned after an accident in Australia. I'd always had demanding jobs alongside my racing, which is why I was so indebted to my dad, who did most of the mechanical and preparation that was required. But after I stopped my career, after I stopped, my career took off, and I ended up working for an American healthcare organisation in a job requiring me to travel all over Europe, Middle East, and of course the US. I left the, the, that job earlier this year, and I'm trying to semi-retire. I've also spent the last 10 years renovating our house in France, we live north uh, of Morizet's Marmande and L'Areal, which are the grass track hotspots. Both my kids have largely grown up in France, and my daughter is now travelling in Central America, having finished university. And my son is in Innsbruck for his third year at university. Having been a keen cyclist, ugh, I am now heavily <laughs> into my electric mountain bikes. That's cheating, surely. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and enjoy many off-road opportunities that exist in the area which I live. If I look back, whilst I, I was never the best in a massive, if I look back, whilst I was never the best in a massively competitive era in which I rode, I think he was, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he certainly he was, was for a year or two. Yeah, he was definitely always one of the one top three. I'm very proud to have won all of the major events of the time, including the Aces, the Masters, the Burnout, the Battle of Britain, Burke's Bonanza, and the Whopper. Well, that's not bad <laughs> resume either, is it? No. I have made some lifelong friends and enjoyed even the longest of trips across England, Poland, France, Germany and Denmark and further afield to Australia. Naturally I'm a positive person and therefore remember the good times but sadly they are tainted a little by the loss of some close friends along the way. Like all of us though I'd like to do it again even with that risk. So yeah great great uh, message from Ivor. So that's our three oldies and you know great to catch up with you know Glenn, Ivor and, and Joe so there we go. Yeah, good stuff. Good to hear from all of them. Yeah, and we'd love to get Ivor on. I mean, it'd be great to have, uh, we've had Joe on. It'd be nice to have Glenn on, but I would, as a sidecar man, I'd pass him to Ivor once. In fact, it was a great day uh, at Danebury. It's a day I'll never forget getting to race with someone who who I'd looked up to so much as a kid. Uh, brilliant rider. We won the meeting, Julie. Um, and yeah, he, he was a great he was racer. A, he was one of the ones at the forefront of... You know, when, when those Aussies came over with the speedo bikes, especially mm. at places like Collier Street, Ivor was like one of the first, you probably, I, I might have got this wrong, but, you know, from, from my memory, he was one of the first to get on the, the speedway type bikes and use them on the grass tracks where it was suitable. And, and you yeah. know, he loved the, the cyclist speedway, didn't he? He did, yeah. He rode in, uh, he rode, he won the Masters in 93 because he just was very quick at Collier Street. Uh, on a grass bike and then the second year the following year he'd bought the Mitchell chassis from Perth in Western Australia and uh, and just I mean the bike was so fast at Collier Street it was ridiculous like no one got near him uh, for the first few years uh, and then his Masters in 94 came down to a tie he won the final and it came down to a tie between himself and Roger Misa uh, and they uh, Roger made a gate in the first corner Ivan moved him over gently uh, and then led, and then the engine went pop, like just in, on about the third lap of this runoff, and he lost the Masters like there and then um, to Rodemiza. It was absolutely devastating for uh, for Ivor. 
uh, and cruel, really, because he should be a multi-British Masters champion, and he's not. He's only got the one, which just doesn't do yeah, justice, really. You know, just to go to show the quality of the guy, I mean, he was, you know, he was third in 2007, uh, from memory. Um, I think he was third in 2002. He was third in 2000. Um, he nearly you know, won so it then as well. He, he, uh, yeah. yeah, he had a problem in the final in 2000 that he had a misfire develop. And that, that was the only reason he didn't win it then as well. He had another bike problem. So, I mean, obviously, he won it in 93, he was second in 94. Um, you know, so, you know, he's got, you know, he's 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 definitely made his mark on the history books of the oh, Masters. Absolutely. Yeah, one of the best. Absolutely one of the best. Hard rider. You know, <laughs> you always were worried if he was behind you because he was a hard rider. Uh, didn't give any quarters, but he was a great rider. Really, really fast. Yeah. So, yeah, great. Thanks, Mitch. That was awesome hearing that. Good stuff. Right, now on to, uh, who wants a quiz? I've got a quiz. I've got a quiz lined up. I know Luke likes a good quiz. Yeah, I love well, a quiz. He's the champion at the minute. This is a head-to-head quiz. He was, <laughs> he was unbelievable last time. Unbelievable. So I've had to make it a bit harder for you this time, Luke. <laughs> oh, I'll be out. First, I'll first question. If Luke beats me. <laughs> Especially on this. So... I've got in front of me here on this lineup here, starting lineup this week. I have got the uh, lineup for the last ever Ace of Aces. Yeah, I'm fucked. <laughs> now, what year was it? You say that, you say that though, Luke. You might, you know, there's a lot of big names from the sport here. You could get pretty jammy here. Uh, what, what year was it? What 19, year was it? 1997. Okay. So. There are a few names here that you might know. And let me just check, because last time I told you there was a couple. That, let me have a look. Uh, there is one person in the lineup in that meeting that was at the Masters this year. And only one. So, yeah, I mean, okay. you think about who's who's of past, past grass track stars. They were probably there. Um, Right, here we go then. The quiz. 1997 Ace of Aces starting lineup in the solos. Who, oh, we'll start with Luke. We're giving the free reign of anyone. Where are you going, Luke? Mm, I'll go Simon Wig. Very good. He was there. He was the winner. In fact, he won it. Mitch? Mm. Uh, Mark Lorham. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not trying. No, let me change my mind. I'll tell you what, it's a good job he didn't buck under the pressure like this at Ledbury. <laughs> Paul Hurry. Yeah, Paul Hurry was there. Yeah, number eight. He finished uh, um. seventh in the final. Oh, no, second in the final, sorry. Uh, Robert Bath. Robert Bath, very good. He finished third in the final. Uh, Jeremy Doncaster. Yep, he was there. I just saw his name somewhere. Yep, he was there. He was also in the final. He finished sixth. Um. Oh dear. Um. Vince Kinchin. Vince Kinchin. 
No, he wasn't there. He didn't ride in that one. I think he was in the one the year before, though. Okay. But no, no, Vince wasn't there. I mean, Vince would be proud of that, Mitch. It'd be, you know, all of the names in the, it, that could ever be in Grass Track, and uh, he's the one that came to mind for Luke. Oh, yeah. Well, to be honest, he, he was in the 88 Masters, so... You know, Vince was Vince. You know, he, he didn't have a, a podium or anything else, but he was he was you know he was banging in Masters appearances. He's one of the. I think Vince has had you know, despite the fact he's been you know gone for 10, 11 years, he's still up there, one of the highest appearances, isn't he? He must be, yeah, and he was good as well. Like, when I was putting the um the Masters compilation together. There's a lot of races that Vince was in, and you forget how good he was. He was a good rider, really good rider. He was a nightmare to ride with, I'll tell you what. <laughs> what, in the van to the meeting, or...? No, 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 no. <laughs> just on the track. He, 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 he just, he was everywhere, you know, everywhere. Yeah. You feel like Tony at the Masters. He was <laughs> everywhere you wanted to go. There was just part of Vince in the way. Yeah. You know, <laughs> You know, he was affectionately known as Stretch because of he obviously he was just a tall, a tall beanpole. But uh-huh. you know, and and sometimes when you was when you was following him down the straight, he'd he'd have like a Scandinavian flick. You'd have to put the bike left to then put the bike <laughs> right to then turn left. And it was absolute. Oh, it was really hard to try and overtake <laughs> him. It really was. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he wasn't there. He wasn't there. <clears throat> Steve Schofield. Yeah, Scoey was there. Yeah. He didn't win that one, but he won six Ace of Aces titles. He was fourth in 97. Uh, what did you go? Vince Kinchin, didn't you? Before. Luke did, yeah. Luke did. All right, I'll give you some clue. I'll give you a clue, Luke, to help you out. All right. Think about yeah. uh, Australian World Speedway champions. Lee Adams. <laughs> Who famously never won the World Speedway championship. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that bit. I don't know. I don't, I don't really pay much attention to Speedway, if I'm honest. I just went with an Australian. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, no Lee Adams. He wasn't there. He never did the Aces, actually. I think. Fair enough. Uh, right, Mitch, your turn. I think you've very <laughs> well and truly won this. Uh, did, you, did, you, did you say Kelvin? Nope. All right. Well, Kelvin then. Kelvin Tatum. Yeah, he finished fifth, I think. Yeah, fifth overall. Have another go at the uh, Australian world champion. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Road for Plymouth this year. His first name's Jason. Try that. Uh, yeah, Do- Jason Doyle. Um, <laughs> Crump, sorry. <laughs> Jason Doyle, he'd have been a kid, wouldn't he? Yeah, Jason Crump. Yes, Jason Crump. He finished. Uh, he, fin- he packed up in the final. Right, come on then, Mitch. Knock some of these names off. Who else was there? You meant You talked about one of them already in the show. Oh well, probably. Oh, I could, there's probably. I mean, there's foreigners, wasn't there? So probably Gerdris. No, he wasn't in it. No, no. Uh, no. Peter Lloyd. Peter Lloyd, yes. Uh, Steve Dor. No, not in that one. Cunningham. Yes, Glenn Cunningham. Uh, yeah, um, Gary Lobb. Gary Lobb, no. I tell you what, fr- think French rider. Uh, uh, Berger. Yes, Philippe Berger. Rode really yeah. well, actually. Yep. 
Um, who else could you get? Oh, your other blast from the past, but not Ivor Matthews. I can't remember who did. Oh, um, <laughs> Joe. It's getting late, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Joe Screen. Uh, Joe Screen, yeah. Um, Colin Earl. Colin Earl. Uh, no, he didn't. He wasn't in that one. Scott Nichols. Uh, yeah, he, I think he turned up in practice and then didn't ride in the racing. But he was there, yeah. Um, foreigners, are there any more foreigners? There's loads of foreigners, yeah. The only British ones is, uh, well, somebody that you know very well, uh, older rider, you've done a lot of travelling in across Super, abroad. Super Dave? Nope, the other, old, the other older rider. <laughs> oh, Trevor. Yeah, Trevor Banks. Um, oh, uh, another one of your blasts from the past, now living in New Zealand. Oh, Jason. Yep, he was there. Skinny, what the skinny that? Finn. Wouldn't be kill, no, not Kill McCorpy. It was, yeah, Jonas Kill McCorpy. Yeah. What about got... what Go about on. some was it Ace of Aces? So, so, so Ian would have got some, some probably some Russians or some Polish. Mm, we've got. Let's have a look. We've got a German, a Dutch, French. Oh. Uh, so no Russians, no Poles, any Czech riders? Yeah, there's a Czech. Uh, Anthony Swab. No, no. Think about, um, he used to ride for Trelawney Speedway. For a long not. time. Bo Brummel? Uh, no, he was in the last one, though. Uh, this is, this is a tough one, isn't it? This is tough this week. Yeah. <coughs> any more Germans? Is there more Germans? Yeah, there is. One, not very, one... Two, three, three Germans. Right, I'll give you. I'll give you their first name. You can say their surname. So we've oh, got right. Go Detlef Conradi. Conradi, yep. Yeah. Uh, he the died. Other... He got yeah. killed. Yeah. Which? Where was it that he lost his life? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, but he, yeah, he was a he was a yeah real good guy. Good guy, yeah. Uh, Torsten. Don't know that one. Torsten Kerr. No, and Klaus Peter Gerdeman. Gerdeman. Yes, Klaus Peter Gerdeman. So that's the Germans, and the Dutch rider is uh, called Anne <laughs> Van der Helm. Definitely a bloke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The French riders. There's loads of them actually. Loads of French. You got Christophe Dubenard. Yeah. Uh, Stefan Trezaru. Yeah, and Sebastian. Trezaru. And then there's these two lads, Jerome. Uh, li- no, um, Georges. No, they're not. The two brothers, Jerome Aze and David Aze. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're yeah. riding. Uh, and the Czech is Pavel Andresic. Yeah. And then there's one last rider we've not mentioned. He rides, his son rides now. He's a little tiny fella. He used to always scrape into the Grand Prix every year. Uh, Andy Smith. Andy Smith. There it is. There's your lineup. <laughs> <laughs> that was tough, wasn't it? I'll tell you what, I've got another thing here. Uh, 95 Ace of Aces qualifier. Yeah, I was in that. You were, yeah. <laughs> who else was in the final with you, though? You came sixth in the final. Can you remember who won it? No, it was, it was tough, though. <laughs> it was tough. It was, yeah. The winner was Steve Dorr. Yeah. Uh, Scott Nichols was second. Yeah. Lee Lanham was third. Robbie Kessler was fourth. Yeah. And then Christoph Martin. Then yourself. Then Torsten Coe. And then Gary Lobb. 
So Torsten Kell, you've never heard of. You beat him in the uh, 95 Aces. That's why you've never right. heard of him. <laughs> but, but, I mean, that, show, that shows you the quality of the meeting when they had to do a qualifier the day before. Oh, it's awesome as well. And I think I think I was like second. I think it was like four places, and it put me like second reserve. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was awesome. I used to love the qualifier and the practice. They had a practice as well, didn't they? Yeah, it was tough. It was it was really tough. Mm, good times. Good times. Well, well done, Luke. It was a valiant effort on your part. Yeah, I'm doing all right at that time, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, getting there, getting but there. Uh, definitely there. a victory to Mitchell Gordon. Great. <laughs> the form continues. <laughs> Unstoppable. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Right. Well, thanks very much for listening to episode number 33. Thanks for joining us once again, Mitch and Luke. Uh, any last requests? Anything else to say, uh, Mitch? Well, um, no, no. Just, uh, you know, let's see. Let's hope the weather's good for the, for the last sort of remaining meetings at Ledbury and Tallington and George Wilby and... And, and and the dirt track thing and, and whoever else is running and mm. you know, Easy. I, I'm so happy that you know we've, we've actually got uh, you know enough meetings in that we can actually call it a season you know yeah um, for, you know Europe's still not doing it you know there's a bit of speedway in Germany and places but there's you know Europe European long track and grass track isn't isn't happening so you know we're very very fortunate that we've, we've managed to achieve something um, the only other thing really to say is that uh, Paul and I are having a bit of a party uh, at, at the Hop Farm, which is down in Kent, uh, on the 16th. Uh, it's an open party; everyone's welcome. Anyone's welcome, um, and it's you know it's not just to celebrate our championship. It's to sort of it's part of a Masters party. It's part of a British Championship party, and it's more about our journey, how we got, you know, where we've come from, what we've done, and and and. And, and the results we've achieved. So, and it's kind of like a, we wanted to have like a bit of an old school party where you know it's a bit loud and it's a bit wild and you know anything can really happen. It's not you know the political correctness is going to be left at the door. So, if, <laughs> if, if anyone fancies coming, you know food food's on me. The Jack Daniels is on me. Come and join us. <laughs> Sounds good. It does sound good. But leave your any any inhibitions at the door. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, all the chips can be left at the door, of, yeah. you know, various shoulders, uh, and uh, just 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 come and have a drink. Yeah, good stuff. And Luke, anything else to uh, to talk about? Anything else that you need to get off your chest? No, I don't think so. Just uh, echo what Mitch said and hope the, the last few meetings of the season are all good, not affected by weather, and uh, I suppose start rolling on, looking ahead to 2022. Yeah, a few dates are coming in already, aren't they? absolutely so it's getting there so yeah brilliant thanks very much for listening to episode 33 obviously if you want to get in touch with the show grass track banter podcast at outlook.com or you can get hold of us on our facebook page on our twitter or on our instagram as well we're all available on all of those different devices and different platforms uh next time we are hopefully going to be giving you the second part of that mark Cosser interview so that's all to look forward to as always, big thanks to all of our partners uh, that make sure, you know, Paul Morphy of Custom Clothing by Impact Press Promotions, who make sure that we're always looking smart, and to Stella Despacks for all their support as well, and all the other partners that we've got that help out Grassstrap Banter Podcast, Grassstrap Banter Promotions, and all the other things. We have already started talking about Bantasia too, but I am sworn to secrecy for now, so you'll have to wait and see. Uh, but everyone listening, thanks very much, uh, and we hopefully will see you trackside very soon. Last track, Lucy. Last track, Lucy.
Fast track racing. Fast track racing.